1994年11月20日女子プロレスの一番熱く長い一日史上最大の決戦ビッグエッグレスリングユニバースドーム頂上対戦ただいまより開催いたします Hello, everybody, and welcome to episode number 15 of Big Egg Podcasting Universe. We are finally here. It is the end of the road. The shebang has become whole. I am your host, George Stato Thompson, and I'm joined for the 15th and final time on this podcast by Sarah Parkin and David Forrest. How are you, everyone? The end is near. <laughs> I am exhausted. Guys, I'm not going to lie. <laughs> Partially because I was up until half past two um, uh, uh, this morning on the day of recording,、um, completing some of the things that I took very seriously in preparation for this for this recording.、Um, but also just because I've just been thinking about how much time and how much effort and how much thought has gone into 14 episodes of Big Egg Podcasting Universe up until now. And it kind of feels a bit weird that this is the last episode, to be honest. <laughs> I was looking at the,、uh, yeah, I dread to think how much time we have invested in this、uh, simply recording, never mind the research, because I was going through our episode descriptions、uh, in preparation for this. And I was like, how the fuck did we talk about Rie Tamada versus Candy Akutsu for an hour and 50 minutes? Well, we talked about that. That was kind of the context of juniors in general, wasn't it? So we kind of, some of them where we started out with one episode. We've only taken one match, but we've kind of really expanded that、um, and then kind of looked at it thematically because we're not just really taking this show in isolation. It's thinking about where this show fits in kind of the broader history of Joshi and, you know, women's wrestling as a whole, really. I think that's been kind of quite interesting to see some of that kind of side by side and think, you know, who would be the juniors that you would want to see on Big Egg? And why are you a little bit disappointed that Asmi and Starlight Kid are a bit too old for that spot? Because that would have been an incredible match. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, like, I mean, I'm very disappointed they weren't literally not born when this show happened. And we're not born for like half of the Joshi were not born when this was when this show happened at this point. Yeah, as, as Sarah said, it's been, a, it's been a long old road to 15 episodes. I said episodes. I wouldn't cry, George. I said I wouldn't cry. <laughs> We've got Andrea Bocelli warming up in the center <laughs> circle. <laughs> I mean, but ultimately. What's going to happen here is that we're going to start off being all, oh, I can't believe that we've got this many episodes in. And by the end, we're going to be telling you, like, guys, seriously, we have wanted rid of this series for such a long time. Not wanted rid of it, but like, we've very much felt like we had to get these final episodes out because it's been so long in the tooth. We've really wanted to be able to finish the story because,、uh, let's face it, not many other people have managed to finish the story recently. <laughs> oh, topical. As for why we're doing a 15th episode, When we have 
finally, finally reviewed all 23 matches and an exhibition. From we just hate ourselves. That's <laughs> yeah, but absolutely. Hate ourselves, if anything, even more than we did when we started this series. <laughs> and crucially, we apologise to the listeners because remember, we, we put this out there. These are the poor sods that actually have to listen to us ramble for all of those hours. Um, if you have gotten this far, we're sorry, but thank you. Thank you for sticking with us through all of this. And because we wanted to basically give give you a chance to, you know, create the future of wrestling as, you, as you'd like it to be. We're going to get some good participation going on quite soon. We got a really good response. We've asked people to kind of consider what their own big egg might look like in the future. And I've, it's, it's fascinating. I can't wait to get I, into some of this. I do have to say, Sarah, if you're if you're apologising to the people who have listened to 15 episodes of Big Egg Podcasting Universe, I feel like they don't need apologising to. They did this to themselves. This is a self-inflicted wound. This is they fair. have subscribed to the Pure Puri podcast feed. They've got, I mean, if anything, this is the, the sort of sedimentary layer of, of misery that they're putting themselves through. There's a whole... 47 other episodes of absolute nonsense to listen to as well so this is it (laughs) and here we are episode number 15 so let's look back on that i mean yeah we spent quite a bit of the end of the last episode talking about kind of is this a, a good wrestling show and i think you can probably make arguments you know that it maybe isn't the it isn't the greatest top to bottom show that it possibly could be when you think about the pacing and things like that. I know you guys don't agree. Um, But what you have to say is that it is one of the most important women's wrestling shows that has ever happened. And it feels like we're kind of in a really, we're in a very purple patch for Joshi at the moment as well. And it just kind of, it's really nice to be able to see those two things side by side and think, you know, a lot of what was happening in 1994 when this show happened is what paved the way. There's been dips in the meantime, but what you're seeing now doesn't happen without what happened then. Yeah, I think that the importance of this show, I mean, I absolutely agree, Sarah, is one of the most important women's wrestling shows of all time. It's 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 up there with the uh, the, the Mildred Burke tours from 1954, uh, the Budokan show from 1985 that we covered on the podcast. But I think within the context of the time it's a very different beast from those because 1985 you know that is the peak of uh, of crushed gals mania 1994 it's a really interesting time for joshi it feels like the crest of a wave and you know we know what happens after you reach the crest of a wave but you know this is a, a kind of a transitional era for the business it's the point where the audience has started to become a lot more male we've had the uh, crossovers with the you know, the universal lucha libre shows which is well, within the AJW offer matches there that's brought a lot of male fans in. Um, so you know, the the business is really changing. Of Josh, you don't have that uh, so much of the mass appeal that you used to have with the uh, the female teenage audience in the 80s. But at the same time, it does feel like a peak. It feels like, OK, we've brought the business up to the point where we can get an incredible attendance at this incredible venue, the, the kind of venue that they, they simply weren't running in the 1980s. Now, I'm, you know, they very well might have been able to fill them but that's not where the business was and yeah it, it really feels like something special it feels like the boat was very much pushed out to the tune of 10 hours of wrestling um uh but yeah absolutely i think it's importance uh cannot be denied i mean th- there's a reason we have sunk christ knows how many hours of our lives over the past few years into dissecting its innards and a reason why and we'll come to this later in the episode the reason you know the the issue of can this happen again is a a debate that people still like to have because it was that momentous definitely and yeah it's it is a totemic moment for joshi wrestling you know there's before and after it's completely different landscapes 
you know, it's the crest of the wave, um, and you'll see in the years afterwards, you're getting to the natural cycle of, you know, people reaching a retirement age, they're going to leave and, you know, they're going to form their own promotions, they're going to splinter off and the, the audience is going to be diluted. Yeah, that, this very much was its peak moment. And I mean, Joshi's had moments like that since. Um, I certainly say before COVID, there was a, you know, the scene was so thriving, really sort of 2019 when you had like sort of stardom um, as well, like Gato Move coming through and like Gato Move being a real innovative product at the time, along with things like Tokyo Joshi and stuff like that. And then obviously COVID kind of hit it back. It's It's arguable to say, that if we didn't have COVID, uh, you know, imagine what that would be like in Lionel Hutt's uh, FOP bubble here. But um, we probably would be at a sort of that point now. I think it's maybe still a wee bit to go, but obviously it's sliding doors, isn't it, of, you know, we everything everything's better for a reason. And yeah, I think that like Big Egg represented a crest of a wave and then everything changed after that, and we're kind of seeing the next wave coming in, and the Joshi scene has really thrived from the other promotions that came out as a result of the sort of natural conclusion of AJW's um, prominence. Yeah, I mean, it, it, it took a while, don't get me wrong, for the, the splintering to actually uh, manifest in something that could do very big business. I mean, Gaia famously did. It wasn't on the level of AJW, but it was still a, a still a very thriving product. But by 2005, when Gaia shut its doors, that was the last place that was actually offering female wrestlers a full time wage. There were there was there were no female wrestlers who were drawing a full time wage from a women's wrestling promotion uh, for years after that. And the way the scene has recovered, uh, as as you as you say, uh, David, like. The, the legacy of AJW is still there. You do have uh, promotions run by people who came up through AJW. I mean, don't forget, Amy Sakura was uh, was part of AJW uh, when she was going by the name Emi Rotokawa. Uh, Marvelous and Sendai, you know, they, they're the, the legacy of uh, Nagaoism. Uh, uh, and, you know, someone who's not a wrestler, Rossi Agawa, he was involved in AJW. And so it's, you, you, you can't get away from it. The the Joshi scene now is still really suffused with the legacy of that promotion, despite the fact it, it shut at its doors nearly two decades ago. A lot of the movers and shakers, they're still involved in the business, they're, they're still putting on their shows, and they're helping the younger generation uh, come along. So it's, like you say, the pandemic really didn't help with all, with all that. And I think, but I, I do think the business has recovered well, and actually... I think one thing that surprised a lot of people was how durable a lot of these promotions have been uh, during the pandemic. We didn't see um, we didn't see companies go out of business. We saw uh, companies lose talent to the bigger companies. But, you know, you know I, I think that I mean, looking at the men's promotion, everyone was very worried about the future of, say, Zero One uh, or Big Japan. They're still going as of the time of recording. But <laughs> I think it's been the um, the same in the Joji scene. I certainly don't think we're at the crest of a wave just yet. And we'll, we'll come to that when we get to the end of the episode where we, we talk about where where do we go from here? Definitely. And I would agree about the sort of resilience of companies i mean like the perfect example is in gato move becoming truck like going to choco pro when mm. the pandemic happened and even stuff like prominence um and gaki no Fuchi, obviously the gaki no Fuchi, the the no person show 
yes. um, and stuff like that. Like a lot of it, Joshi has such an amazing creative base there, partly because of the way the way they are trained. Um, which, and again, a lot of people like Emi Sakura, Miko Satomura, um, you, you know, all these people all found their feet either learning from the tree of AJW or from people who were big stars in AJW. And they've passed that on, and you're seeing the sort of, you know, the the rings of the tree, um, you know, get more and more as you know people who are influenced by people who are influenced by AJW. Like you can clearly see that that they're all taking their own ideas and and putting their own spin on it. And I think that the the, the creativity that you get with Joshi Promotions is really something that you you is unparalleled anywhere else in the world or in men's wrestling at all. I feel. Yeah, I mean, I mean, I mean, and um, I, I just want to know what you might think of this, Sarah. But I would say, um, since the pandemic, the two main currents in the the Joshi scene have been, uh, firstly, as uh, David alluded to, some of the really innovative booking. Like we've had the um, those really fun shows at the Tokyo Joshi Dojo, where there were no fans in attendance. They they wrestled a one night tournament for some barbecue vouchers. Um, like I say, the Gakko no Fuji show, where there were no people there, not even the wrestlers, um, <laughs> and the the quite innovative ways of, of marketing um the way that gatto move has been you know getting you know, you can sponsor a message on the wall you can you can do all sorts of things like getting these income streams together doing their youtube channel uh all the content that they put on there um yeah that's that's been really interesting and secondly i think um and david david mentioning prominence that's um the, the rise of free agency in the joshi scene we've got to a point where you can do shows like you know, Nomads, the, the shows they've been doing. No one on that sh- those shows is contracted to a Joshi wrestling company. It's all freelancers and prominence. They run their own shows, but again, they are freelancers, really. They are wandering Ronin, if you like, going from uh, promotion to promotion. And I think those two dynamics that we've seen in the last few years are really interesting because they would not have happened in the AJW era. The, the the lives of the of the wrestlers it was extremely regimented it was extremely hierarchical uh, your loyalty was to the company they would work you like a dog and then toss you aside when you were 26 and the ways in which um today's talent um I, I think partially through necessity do have to to hustle a lot more than they did in the past where you had that safety net of the of the corporate structure um i think is really bring some interesting things out in the last few years. I don't know, what do you, what do you think uh, on that, Sarah? Joshi's in such an odd and kind of really interesting period at the moment where, yeah, you're absolutely right. The pandemic has absolutely had the potential to flatten a lot of companies, and I'm sure that many of them are not really recovering, um, or rather they certainly haven't recovered to kind of full strength at this point. But yeah, it's been interesting because what you've kind of seen is the two big companies, so Tokyo Joshi and Stardom, have actually done a really big job uh, and a really good job of consolidating themselves and, you know, signing whoever they wanted from wherever they want. Admittedly, that is Stardom more than, more than Tokyo Joshi. Um, and in some ways, you know, we're talking about Gaia was such an important part of, of AJW's legacy. And when you think about the number of the number of companies that were set up kind of almost in response to AJW at different points in its uh, at different points in its life we're seeing similar kind of things i mean you're absolutely right about free agency and the birth of uh, and the birth of nomads and and that kind of thing but we're also talking about the people breaking off and founding their own promotions prominence is a really good example of this and 
you know, it has to be said without getting into too much detail. Ice Ribbon, completely and utterly shitting the bed, has mm. created a lot of opportunities for other people to go off and forge their own path. And that kind of spirit that someone like Chikisanagaya had in Founding Gaia or someone like Jaguar Kurta had in Founding JD Star. That's what's happening now with something like with, with something like Prominence. And then you even get to the point where those people are interesting enough that prominence can rock up in stardom and be treated like a big deal. Like there's that level of attention now. And also just don't underestimate the extent to which YouTube and the ability to be able to share video footage online, the audience is far less concentrated now than it used to be. So there's all these different ways of reaching audiences. The gate that you draw on the day doesn't that's not actually the be all and end all now because there's other ways that you can potentially monetize your shows um, and you know if people are willing to work for barbecue vouchers then so much the better you don't even have to pay you don't even have to pay them all like find an oversized trophy in the back of someone's you know trophy cabinet I just think we're in such an odd stage at the moment where yeah Joshi is probably in one of the periods where it's the biggest it's been since the 90s I don't think we're at the peak. I really think that there's bigger and better things to come. And, you know, I'm I'm happy to live in this bubble for as long as it's growing, you know? Oh, absolutely. And I think we'll get onto that um, in, a, in a little bit. But um, I think before we before we do so, we um, we said at the end of the last episode, we've got some awards to dish out. We've put together five awards categories. So the first award we're going to hand out. Now, I thought we would hand out a best match award, but then... I I remembered this takes me back to I think it was the the f- coverage of the finals of I want to say Euro 2012 the the BBC did a goal of the month type competition where they wanted the fans to vote on the best goal in the history of the European Championships but they actually did the second best goal because literally every single football fan on the face of the planet agrees that the best goal in the history of the European Championships was the one Marco van Basten scored against the USSR in the final of Euro 88 so they just have asked everyone to vote on what's the second best uh, goal so in that spirit can I just ask is there anyone in this call who does not think that Arjun Kong versus Manami Toyota was the best match on the show? No, no, like it's clearly like one of the greatest matches of all time. Yeah, as 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 a big Adoris blind mark as I am, <laughs> I and not even I can be so blind, so so blind, if you will. <laughs> um, Very good. To, to say that, um, no, yeah, that it's it's the best match, definitely. Yeah, yeah, I'm. I probably won't argue with that either, although. As I believe we discussed at the time, I don't think it's the best Daja Kong match or the best Minami Toyota match, um, but I think it's a pretty strong contender for all of the above of everything that you've just said. Yeah, absolutely. So, yeah, we're, we're putting that number one without a shadow of doubt. So let's go on to what our second favourite match of the show was. So I, I went down my notes and just had uh, just had a little, little look and just reminded myself of what was on this show because it was quite a lot. And my pick for the second best match... I talked about it on the last episode, just being blown away by how good this was. What a great hard-hitting sprint. Um, I, I Probably my second best match is, uh, on the show is Arjun Kong versus Dynamite Kansai. I thought that was just incredible. So yeah, Ar- Arjun Kong was in the best two matches on the show, um, as far as I'm concerned. There were a couple of other matches in the VTOP 
that, that I thought came close and a couple of the interpromotional tag matches on the undercard, uh, particularly that extremely hard-hitting LPW versus AJW one. But on the whole, I think, yeah, Arja Kong versus Dynamite Kansai for me. What about you guys? Yeah, I had um, Arja Kong and Dynamite Kansai as well, actually. Um, I probably wouldn't argue with you on that. Um, but my honourable mention, so I do have honourable mentions for all of my awards, um, was the Shinobu Kandori um, and Futagami versus Toshio Yamada and Tomoko Watanabe. Um, that match is great fun and I can't remember I can't remember the last time I kind of felt oh lot of needle in this match it felt very there's a lot of heat and a lot of fighting and I just really really enjoyed the level of scrappy pettiness that runs throughout that whole thing it was a lot of fun to watch okay David what about yourself I mean I find it really tough I'd probably mm, I really liked Combat Toyota versus Yumiko Hota I seem to remember really enjoying that yeah that's on my honorable mentions as well yeah, like that, I... that was really good that was really great. In terms of non VTOP matches, I really enjoyed Chaparita Asari um, and the, oh, the, opener. The, opener, <laughs> the opener. It was only like seven minutes, but uh, she was great in that. And of course, we'd be remiss if we didn't mention um, Linus Asuka and Yumi Agora versus Jagger Yokota and um, the greatest of all time, Bison Kimura. Um, that, was, that was great, great fun, especially because it's Asuka versus y- Yokota as well. It was. Uh, yeah, I really, really enjoyed that. So I'd probably go that as my non-VTOP match of the night. Yeah, that I, match had an unnecessary amount of needle considering it was basically like yeah. a legend exhibition. <laughs> yeah. I did wonder how long it would take before Bison Kimura's name would be invoked by David Forrest. Sure, it will not be yeah. the last time. No. I'm sure it will not be the last time on this episode. I think as far as the VTOP goes, I actually think the... Um, I think probably you'll have got the impression from listening to episodes 12, 13 and 14 that the... First round match of the VTOP probably overall stronger than the matches in the final stages. So I had uh, Dynamite Kansai versus Kyoku Inoue as well. I thought that was tremendous. And uh, finally, the uh, the tag match between Takako Inoue and Kuti Suzuki against Kai Fukuoka and Megumi Kudo. Um, I thought that was really good as well. But yeah, Arjokon versus Dynamite Kansai for me. Okay, so that is the best match. Now, let us move on to something where I think there might be a bit more debate, uh, which is best costume. Okay, so now we enter into the high level of competition in which I have a bronze, silver and gold medal to award for these for, for these particular categories. So we're going to start. I mean, there are a lot of very strong entries in this category. I very much love everybody who's an idol who comes out with a big sort of frilly robe, like Cutie Suzuki's kind of big gold frilly robe is delightful. Um, Mariko Ishida's huge feathery hat and the long blue robe with the kind of the white feathers that makes it look like Charlotte Flair with a sense of humour. All of that, absolutely great. But if we're going to talk about who our actual, our actual award-worthy contributions are, my bronze award goes to Reggie Bennett, in her sexy builder Halloween costume. Because frankly, <laughs> I really respect the fact that she comes out in dungarees and a hard hat. It's great. Silver. This goes to Las Cachorras Orientales. Especially Mima Shimoda, don't get me wrong. They're both a pair of very strong looks, Excometer and Mima Shimoda both. Um, but she's she's really leaning into that kimono. I just I love these looks. I just think they've got these like full kimono, loads of fabric, completely incongruous with their characters who basically hit people and cheat as much as possible or whatever it takes. They are generally very nasty people, but they come out looking like butter wouldn't melt. And can we also talk about just how great their entrance is as well? You know, they wear it they wear it well as they are carried aloft by a bunch of men who have already done a dance routine before they came out on stage. All of that, just everything, that probably elevates the look quite a lot, but you know what? Sold. LCO get the silver medal. 
my gold award, of course, goes to Akira Hokuto. Mm-hmm. Because multiple outfits. Every single one is an all-timer. Super over the top. All of the drama. All of the frills. And in the final, they even come with additional handmaidens to help carry her train. And they're just like, nobody else can top this. You couldn't if you tried. So Akira Hokuto gets my gold medal for best costume and probably for everything else in life. Yeah, are we going specifically with the white gear from the final? Probably, but I think really I'm kind of, I'm giving her this as much of a kind of a an, an all-rounder award for kind of just her strong wardrobe looks throughout the night. Um, but yeah, I think the white gear is probably, probably it for me. Absolutely. Okay, David. So I had a couple of... Um notable uh mentions here reggie bennett in the, in the builder outfit is an incredible shout however i went a bit a bit off his i think akira hokuto just in general for her collective oeuvre or uh, in terms of outfits over this whole show having different outfits every match you, you kind of can't argue against it any one of those costumes could win best costume so the fact that she had three of them Pick, pick anyone, and you, you can make a very good argument for it. However, I went for another left-field one. I'd like to award a silver medal to everyone in the opening ceremony with their tracksuits, right? Because <laughs> yes! The 90s, 90s, the 90s tracksuits, I believe they were Mizuno, a great brand. I think maybe different... Um, I'm pretty sure different companies had different tracks. It was a different brand. It was just all of them together. It was an incredible spectacle. They also had the wee boards as if they were like representing Guam at the Olympics. It was, it was amazing. <laughs> it's so good. So yeah, I would probably say everyone. You know, you, you you're all the stars here. Uh, you know, um, it, I'm going a bit. You know, um, Time Magazine awarding the Spirit of Ukraine the Man of the Year <laughs> award. But um, I think everyone uh, on this show who got a tracksuit. Um, deserves deserves a mention here, and of course, we we couldn't go a, a bigger episode without saying it. Two words: Bill Nakano. Doesn't matter what she's wearing; it will be the best costume there. So, yeah, Bill Nakano. Damn right. Fantastic. Um, I've got um, I I almost put together a top ten, but I didn't do that. Um, but I've just listed a few that I thought were really good. So of the ones that we've not already mentioned, um, uh, Bomber Hikaru in the in the first one, just uh, as I mentioned at the time, her look seems inspired by the CITV show Zap. Lots of big you know <laughs> speech bubble type shit. Lots of primary colours. Just the word bomber on the front. Um, always like when they've just get, got their name on it. Not in the shit Man City third kit way from a few seasons ago, but uh, I, I thought that was really good. Um, Suzuka Minami in lots of orange and yellow, um, looking looking like the god Quetzalcoatl. Very good. Um, m- much as I'm loath to bring up anything from the work shoot, uh, Sugar Miyuki in her Stars and Stripes gear and her boxing robe, um, a strong look. Uh, the long blue coat with the kanji on from uh, Yashiko and I and Michiko Nagashima from uh, LLPW. Eagle Sawai's black feathery headdress. Uh, Kutazuki and Takako Inoue in gold and silver looking like the tokens from the Crystal Maze. Uh, Megumi Kudo's <laughs> pink gown. Dynamite Kansai as the Green Power Ranger. But I think my favourite one, and it's one that Sarah's actually mentioned, I could not look past Mariko Yoshida's spangly blue coat and spangly blue nutcracker hat. An incredible look, looking like something from the fucking Bolshoi Ballet. Um, incredibly fierce. Six stars. Loved it. Right. Um, I, I've got two other mentions. Um, okay. I'd also like to say, um, I think 
in terms of costumes, before we even got to the show, when we went to the, the wine and cheese, the wine and nibbles do <laughs> uh, beforehand, and everyone's wearing their best suit and stuff like that. Incredible. You, you, that is there. But I'd also like to award, I've got another award that I'd like to give out. It's the first annual David Forrest Award for Outstanding Achievement in the Field of Athleticism, and it goes to Bison Kimura. Congratulations. <laughs> um, looking respectfully. Um, <laughs> Bison I'm very surprised that you haven't made her fight to the death with Doris Blind for it. <laughs> Bison Kimura is going to be going home with more awards than everything everywhere all at once. <laughs> I, I just, what a worker. <laughs> she certainly worked your heart, David. Yeah, exactly, exactly. Uh, best theme is our next one. So um, this is kind of a um, we're into the minor technical awards now, like like at the Oscars. Best theme we've got. The problem is that we couldn't hear most of the themes on this show because so many of them were overdubbed. But we're going to have a go anyway. So um, best theme. I would. Well, I'll, I'll let you guys uh, start off, uh, Sarah. Okay, so I mean, I actually have quite a lot of honourable mentions here as well oh, wow, because okay. I look. Well, yeah, because the thing is, there's a bunch of great stuff that all sounds like it could come from like a really high energy kind of daytime quiz show. All kind of feel like they could go from like any number of like eighty sports movies or something like that. Like, there's a lot of really good guitar solos in a lot of the music that you hear here. Like, Blizzard Yuki's goes through like four different genres along the way. <laughs> it's absolutely great. It has an incredible. Has an incredible like a really cool guitar solo also let's not forget how incredible her entrance was they were acrobats she did a trick fall from a cage that was suspended in the air acrobats pulled off her costume to reveal another actual costume underneath like that whole thing like think about how the entrance and the entrance theme kind of all work together that was just a spectacle unlike anything else because those things demanded a gnarly guitar solo um obviously Paul Nakano, our Lord and Saviour, big dramatic doom-laden theme that she was coming out to mm. at the time, and I absolutely love that. Um, but so my, let I mean, let's face it, we all love Akira Hokuto's real version of Oro Delay, and she is therefore like, and I'm I'm emphasising the real version, not the copyright version on a lot of the YouTube videos that we've been watching. Um, so, but she was my silver award, so she came above um, above LCO actually went in the bronze because it was the that sounded like it was kind of a classic Japanese action movie from the 80s, and again the spectacle with the actual entrance and everything, um, just incredible. Um, and then obviously Akira Hokuto in silver. Gold medal, 100%, to Kako Inoue. <laughs> that woman, yes. her entire gimmick is that men want her to hurt them. And let's just, re I just want us all to backtrack to the amount of time we spent discussing the lyrics of this theme. She broke my spine. I knew I had to make the lady mine. She melted my heart while she twisted my arm. Like, honestly, this shit you can't get anywhere else. And for that, Takako Inoue earns my eternal respect and my gold medal. I mean, you say you can't get that shit anywhere else. I've seen Rhea Ripley's Twitter mentions. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. David? Um, I, I, um, I have to agree with Takako Inoue. However, I'm going to put another left field mention. I think Big Egg's theme is, is fantastic. We've used it in pretty much every episode here. It's very golf. I can see, <laughs> I can hear, I can just hear Peter Alice welcoming us to a day two at TPC at Sawgrass. Um, <laughs> um, VJ sings free off par. Um, <laughs> but, um, you know, Sergio Garcia is really coming up um, behind him. Can he, can he hold on to the crown and claim the Players' Championship title for another year? Who knows? But when I watch this, that's what I think. It's it's very, very 
BBC golf highlights, and that's a primo genre. Um, so yeah, I've got Big Egg's theme um, is, and again, I'm you know I'm I'm maybe to uh, I, I'm maybe just making a cop out, but I love Big Egg's theme. It's it's fantastic. VJ, this is surely the first time VJ Singh has ever been mentioned on a wrestling point. There's Greg Norman using Saudi oil money to lure half of Ice Ribbon's <laughs> roster away. Do you mean the fanfare as the theme? Do, 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 this is great audio. This. I can't wait to cut every bit of this out. You will cut nothing. <laughs> You'll cut nothing. Um, yeah, I do. I do enjoy. It. Like, I can't. Know, don't know many other shows in wrestling history that have a fanfare, and for that, Big Egg deserves man. You say, is this is this a great wrestling show? It's a fantastic. It's the best one ever. It's got a fanfare. What more do you want, Sarah? I've got to say, it's a mark in its favour. Yeah, exactly. The, the other eight hours and 58 minutes after the fanfare are very much, you know, just bonus content. We've already had our fanfare. I mean, as, as far as my favourite theme goes, um, I, I almost said uh, Takako Inoue's theme. I thought that would kind of be the obvious pick. But honestly, I grew, we, we heard it uh, six times um, during this show. So maybe it, it's just, it, it got its hooks in me. But I, I grew really attached to the kids' bop version of Oil Delay. <laughs> Like it was just during episode 14 where we finally got to the second verse because the entry was was so long. And I was like, oh, they used a different synth. And then we got to the solo. It's like I, I, I that song is bulletproof. You can put the shittiest synth sounds that you like on there and it's still amazing. So for that reason, I'm, it, go, I'm going to say the order delay overdub. It's like it's like Mamma Mia, isn't it? Like Abba songs are imperious and even Pierce Brosnan can't ruin them. <laughs> <laughs> I, the thing is, I had a horrible feeling that that was exactly what you were going to pick as well. I was like, you can't, I can't believe it. That's why I had to emphasise that the real Oro Delay was getting my silver medal on principle. Just Pierce Brosnan there just going, oh, I'll do it. Um, so, OK. And that... he'd have the best time doing it. You know that. He'd have the absolute time of his life singing that. <laughs> uh, our next award we're going to do is so this is like the only sort of negative award that we're going to hand out and it's, it's not really necessarily something that was shite it was just something that didn't live up to the heights that we kind of had in our mind for it so rather than doing worst match because i mean don't get me wrong there's enough fucking contenders but um what i've done instead is a uh, biggest disappointment so what was the what was the thing on the show that you were underwhelmed by to be honest, you're probably not going to be surprised by the answer that I give you. But for me, it, it is actually the shoot fights. So it's not. Do you know what? I, no, in fairness, I can hear. I, I know that you're laughing, George. But the thing is, I wanted to be interested in those fights. Like I genuinely thought, OK, this is the thing that's on the big egg card where I can guarantee that I've not seen anything really like them before. And I was like, OK, let's go into this with an open mind and see where it gets us. But fundamentally, the mistake that they made was booking things like shoot boxing um, and, you know, amateur wrestling, but booking them in a square professional wrestling ring where they fundamentally didn't need to be. So we had all of those spots where what should have been kind of the natural flow of the, the natural flow of the match or whatever it was ended up basically being cut off all the time because the ropes were just not in the places where the performers expected them to be. I don't feel like we actually got the best version of what those matches could have been on the show. So yeah, that was my that was my biggest disappointment, and that's absolutely that's no shade on 
the that's no shade on the fighters actually that's no shame on the people who were taking part of the matches it just they could have been really interesting and in the end i actually just ended up getting a bit miserable with the whole thing yeah that's that's fair but i mean you you do love yourself some shoot style so yeah, I guess Bloodsport be... is the Bloodsport is the thing I watch every WrestleMania weekend religiously. It doesn't matter what other shows are booked. Bloodsport is the only thing I will watch. I do really like, uh, I do really like a lot of the kind of shoot style stuff. But I don't know. I think these matches were just messy, and they clearly hadn't really been thought through in terms of how they fit in the overall context literally in the physical environment, but also just in the context of the show as well. It just it. I actually wonder, rather than just having them as like a block of four matches kind of in the card, maybe if they'd interspersed them a little bit and kind of had other matches in between them, maybe it would have felt a little bit like, because you could feel the crowd disappearing as you watched across those four matches. You could feel that the crowd were basically giving up on this. And I, I just wonder if there was a way of kind of booking them and spacing them out where, you know, you would have been able to maintain the crowd's interest a little bit. And then, I don't know, maybe that would have filtered through to my experience watching it. You know, I I don't know, but I feel like they they could have been great, uh, or or at the very least they could have been more interesting than they were. At the very least, spacing them out would have given people time to have a piss. Like if you if you did if you spaced them at even intervals, that would actually probably have made the show more bearable to sit through rather than all right here's an hour and a half of terrible shoot fighting. So as far as mine goes, um, I had one idea, and maybe maybe if if I'm awarding a silver medal, maybe it be to this. Uh, I would say uh, Blizzard Yuki, because I mean very clearly the gimmick didn't get over how they wanted it to, because it, it did get dropped. But I think also the fact that she was outshone by her opponent in that match, I think uh, you know that could have been really good. It could it clearly they had high hopes for the character, and you know the, this match was really not the best way to show it off. Um, so that that gets the silver medal, but biggest disappointment, and I, I have I, I, this might be controversial, um, but I, I think I went over it a lot on the previous episode. I think probably it's the V top final uh, for me, and that's kind of a weird uh, that's kind of a weird thing to say because we put over so much on that episode how masterful and incredible Arja Kong's performance at selling was, but at the same time I don't think it was the right match for the main event. I, I don't think we should have been going well i don't think that match breaks the top five on the show considering it's the climax to the tournament final i don't think it put over hokuto in the way that she necessarily warranted and deserved even though i i don't think there was anything wrong with the match like i say arja kong's selling was really really good hokuto did her part it was just the wrong match for the situation and kind of a, a re- really a, a bit of a downer to be honest i think you want something which is a bit more i, I hesitate to use the word epic because like i say uh, i said on the previous episode that just conjures up the specter of so many 35 minute julia matches but um <laughs> but at the same time yeah like i say i, w- I would have wanted something that had a, had a bit more to it than that so yeah p- probably probably the v top final honestly not saying it's bad just disappointing yeah, I am. Um, I I thought about that myself, but it, it's kind of like right, it is different. It's just not. It's not that it's. I think the the best the best way to describe it for me, it's like the ending of Evangelion. If you've never <laughs> seen Evangelion, the end of Evangelion is kind of like all right, wouldn't have done that, but okay. Yeah, it's hard to describe without spoiling it. Like, I mean, yeah, but but essentially, it ends about two episodes before, and then they have another two episodes that are on a completely different slant that 
are a bit perfunctory, but are actually very good. Like they're they're really really great episodes, and I really do enjoy them and love them. But the the perfect ending was just before, and I think that's the same with this, whereby it, it's an innovative way of you know building a match, and you know it's doing stuff that you'll never see in any other match again. And you know it was a great match. Is is it the match for that that slot? Possibly not. Similarly, I mean, I looked at different disappointments. Um, strangely, and I, I don't think I would give it to this one, but like Bill Nakano versus Alundra Blaze, it was, it was nine minutes. Do you know what I mean? Like, it wasn't um, this huge, huge match, but at the same time, I would turn around and say it was eight hours into a show. People want to go home. And we've had so many insane Joshi battles. Do you really want another 20-minute one from Bill Nakano and Alundra Blaze? Probably, but in, on paper, that sounds great. In practice, would that have been better than this one? Probably not. It was a compact match. It probably wasn't what you expect of Bill Nakano versus Alundra Blaze at the Tokyo Dome. But at the same time, you know what about everything else in the Tokyo Dome? Um, so I probably wouldn't go that. I, I probably would go Blizzard UK, to be honest, just because I, really, I, I love a, a Tiger Mask sort of daft anime gimmick like that and you know a, a masked uh, high flyer and I, I love that and yeah it just kind of never really came to fruition after this very much and I, I don't think the match was especially the the Tiger Mask W showcase that we wanted so um, yeah I'd probably go for that but I, I still enjoyed it it was just you know like picking a disappointment on this card is really really tough because I enjoyed everything even the terrible shoot fighting and weird child fights and stuff like that. I, I found something to enjoy and everything. So it was very, very tough to do this one, but I'd probably go Blizzard UK just for the reasons you mentioned. You know what would have made that Alundra blaze Bornacano match better? What if they were fighting for a motorbike and then the loser would have their <laughs> motorbike destroyed by the winner? <laughs> Imagine if that were to happen. Um, actually, on the subject of Tiger Mask W, just quickly before we go on to the next award, because D- David mentioned it uh, to me in the context of Kota Ibushi rocking up in GCW. Like, is that the weirdest Ibushi return since Tiger Mask W? And I said, do you remember who his opponent was in, in that match um, at the Dome, uh, who was playing the the heel character? It was Juice Robinson. And he's wrestled Cody Rhodes at the Tokyo Dome twice. And I, I, I thought, like, I bet you could put together a really vexing list of wrestlers who have had fewer Tokyo Dome singles matches than Juice Robinson has. Oh, Bill McCannell, for one. Like, <laughs> yeah. <the whole> show. <laughs> Fuck's sake, yeah. Yeah, pretty much well, every, yeah, everyone on this show, uh, really. So there's, so there's that, yeah, for fuck's sake. Anyway, um, uh, final award, and this one's a little bit meta, but I think it's, uh, it will do us good not just to reflect on the show, but also uh, the reflect of this series, how it changes as people, ultimately for the worst. But um, we, I just wanted to think, like, what, what was our favourite episode? Like, what was the episode where we have had the most fun uh, doing doing it? Apart from this one, obviously. I really enjoyed, we talked about a little bit earlier, the uh, the episode where we talked about the juniors, because I think that was, the match was kind of just there, but it was it was a jumping off point to think about uh, the, you know, the idea of, uh, you know, kid wrestlers, uh, you know, how appropriate is that in today's day and age? The idea of, like, the, the youth of the 
people in AJW that they started really young, like they got spat out at 26. I think that was actually a really rich and fulfilling discussion that we were able to have. And I think it's illuminated a lot of things that I hadn't necessarily ever thought about before. But as far as my favorite experience of recording, I think it does have to be the two episodes we did with Zoe about the uh, about the work shoots because they or like the shoot the shoot fights because they were they were so fucking bad. But we we kind of passed through the membrane of being aggravated by these fights and it just becoming incredibly funny how shit they were in the same way that talking about Shinobu Kandori versus Fetlana Gundarenko in the L1 tournament recently was so very entertaining despite the fact the match was complete dog shit so yeah I, I, I would say those two I thought they were just a lot of fun and, and, and Zoe's great as well and we love having her on the podcast but, uh, but yeah, yeah. Thank you Zoe for joining us for those episodes because you went a long way to to, to kind of giving me reasons to reason to deal with these matches when I was really not enjoying them. Yeah, don't get me wrong. It was a, a, a low point on Big Egg. It was a low point in this podcast and possibly a low point in my life. But I did, I did have fun talking about them. Funnily enough, it's it's two for two here, George. Because <laughs> I think um, definitely episode uh, episode seven with Doris Blind, Anna Gomi, and Indian child fighting. We're never beating it. You'll, they'll never see the likes again. <laughs> You, you know could what? give me the greatest King's Road compilation of matches for us to review. It will not hit the heights of that. It was, yeah, it was. Uh, uh, fun was had by all, except when we watched the matches. <laughs> 15 minutes of shoot boxing, thinking, what, what the fuck am I doing with my life? And like, this was during a lockdown. I did not have anything else to be doing with my life. And I was still like, if I was just in a void somewhere, just thinking and feeling nothing, that would be preferable to this. I think we should take the opportunity since since we've invoked the the Indian children doing their amateur grappling in the basically as far as we can make out the interval um, at this point. Uh, I think we should probably take the opportunity to shout out Meghna Singh and Nidhi Ganani um, because we have genuinely we've invoked them many times and we really don't refer to them by name very often. So I'm taking that opportunity now to give them a shout out. Thank you. You were an unexpected delight found entirely by accident by David, and we are grateful. Yeah, yeah. Thank you of... for your service. <laughs> this, Our this, brave this, match, this match isn't even on cage match. Like a lot of reviews on this show do not have it. This is the very reason I can point to this series and say this is definitively the most comprehensive look. It is because we reviewed that match. I would say I've got a good, I've got a great question for you here. What do you think you're up to now? I'm sure they've got just normal office jobs and they go to the gym and work out. Uh, they've probably got a family or something and they don't really think about professional wrestling at all. Um, how many how many times, say a year, do you think they mention it? <laughs> that's a good that's a good point, actually. Like, like <laughs> oh, yeah, I, I, I wrestled in front of 42,000 people when I was like 11. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Like, if, George, George, Grandma, if, let's if, get you to bed. <laughs> George, if you, wait, say, say you were like in the halftime kickabout at like the 1950 World Cup final in Maracanã or something like that, you would mention that to everyone that you ever meet. I have a friend who I used to play five or six with who every time we met him would always regale the fact that he once scored in the FA Cup. If you wrestled in the fucking Tokyo Dome, you would mention this. Oh, like it would be this sort of thing of like, if you ever heard anyone like liked wrestling, you'd be like, "I wrestled in the Tokyo Dome." 
like immediately you, you'd immediately do it like it's so it's literally like that the linesman from that episode of inside number and i was like oh will you shut up about the fucking san zero i tell you what we'll make a pact right if we can get both of them if we can track them down, we will uh, we will do an episode sixteen where we interview them. Is that <laughs> is that a blood oath that we're taking here? If I can find Absolutely. both of them, yes, a hundred percent. Although I can say I have I have I have tried googling both of them, um, and <laughs> neither is really get neither's really given me many options. But obviously, um, Meghna Singh is also the name of an Indian cricketer who is definitely not the same one because she was born in nineteen ninety four. So definitely not definitely not. I know the they were young, but not that young. Yeah, I know. Like not not in the juniors division even then. Yeah. But um but yeah, and um, so neither name is actually giving me any results. In fact, actually if you type in Nidhi Ganani and the word wrestler, um the first things that come up are the Pura Pre podcast. <laughs> <laughs> yes, number one. Fuck you, SEO gods. I mean I sub- yeah, I mean I suppose like you know, if we just look in the electoral register, I mean how many things can there be in, in India? <laughs> Sorry, so have you even said what your favourite episode was yet? Not yet, but I'm, I'm going to say, and I know this is, I'm not in any way suggesting that we've been on a downhill slope or anything, but what I am saying is that actually, I think in hindsight, my favourite episode is still the first one. Um, but I mean, honestly, as as the person who's kind of done most of the kind of the background research and the kind of the historical research on a lot of the, the people involved in, in these and kind of the wider sort of Joshi history that's gone into these I think the ones where I've kind of the research has been the hardest and the research has been the biggest have actually been the most gratifying to do so like the the idols episode I found really challenging because I found it really I I thought that was really I thought it was difficult to do justice to kind of what idols are in their kind of cultural specificity um, but also in thinking about you know the potential the potential for the seedy underbelly of being an idol as well that I kind of feel like we we touched on but I think was really challenging Um, that first episode was it was a lot of research to do and it wasn't perfect obviously there were gaps there's been all sorts and a lot of our episodes have had gaps in the research but what I've loved about that is that we get people tweeting us filling in gaps in knowledge like we get these bits of extra information coming out all the time and I keep discovering new things about that so the fact that that kind of episode went out there and it's kind of it's kick-started this thing where like I'm learning new stuff about Joshi I've been really excited that people have been interested enough to actually want to correct us and not just because they're petty like I would be in that situation like the people have actually kind of wanted to get involved in in kind of developing and kind of filling out that history that for me has been great so that's big egg done with really but what we wanted to also talk about on this episode is the possibility that there could be another big egg yeah, well, what do we think? Now, I think just from my perspective, if you'd asked me this question even, say, five years ago, 2018, if you'd said to me, will there ever be another Joshi show at the Tokyo Dome? I'd have said no chance. I would have said I, I don't I think the business, while it is on the up, it shrunk so much from what it was. I mean, New Japan is the only company that runs the Dome and they don't fill it and sometimes even don't come close to filling it so i i didn't think yeah there's no there's no joshi company which has the wherewithal uh to do that without it being just a, a catastrophic financial loss but since bushiroad bought stardom and just the the exponential growth that that company has had since that purchase to the point where it's now the second biggest company in japan 
full stop, regardless of gender, and to the point where it has actually been outdrawing New Japan at the same venue that New Japan has done shows at in certain in certain circumstances, they've run shows at uh, you know uh, the Budokan uh, Sumo Hall, uh, big arenas that AJW would have run in the past. And so, if you if you would say to me, yeah, could there be another big? I was like, I honestly at this point wouldn't rule it out just because I don't think we've seen the last of Stardom's business growth. And like whether you are a fan of Stardom or not, and whether you are a fan of you know. Bushiro's other wrestling ventures or not it is undoubtedly impressive the growth that the business has had and I think we are getting towards the point where it is feasible I mean we've had stardom matches at the dome albeit they've been about six minutes but so we have had them and I think that's the next step honestly I wouldn't be at all surprised to see it happen maybe say in 2025 uh, something like that. I, it would certainly be a different beast. I think you would be selling it on the name and the fact that and the novelty. I think rather than any particular superstars, because there aren't wrestlers nowadays with the the mainstream pull that someone like Chikas and the guy or Linus Asuka or even Akira Hokuto would have had back then. But I, I certainly think it's possible. I don't know. What do you guys think? My first question is. You're talking about stardom. Are we assuming that stardom would be the big company that would be the driving force behind it? Yeah. Because this is where I... Well, well, because I don't think they are, because, like, stardom needed to be persuaded. Like, they didn't do the first of the Assemble shows during the pandemic. They were the second. My thinking about this is, I think the politics is different in 2023 to the politics they were dealing with in 1994, because there was unapologetically and inarguably there was one big show in town and everybody else was basically a smaller competitors to AJW. I think the issue that you've got now is that there's actually two big shows in town because you've got Stardom and you've got Tokyo Joshi, both of whom are owned by massive corporations. This is, it depends on what you think that big egg would be because I think the politics are muddied by that and then you have the question of, well, it wouldn't be a big egg that would include all of the major Joshi promotions in the country. It couldn't because Stardom and Tokyo Joshi would not play well together. You might get Stardom being able to basically try and co-opt some of the people who are not a threat to them you so you know you you could potentially get stardom with smaller companies you might get you know tokyo joshi with smaller companies tokyo joshi seems although they probably have more freelancers that they work with than stardom does i don't know it kind of feels like maybe storytelling wise in particular it feels like it's very kind of hermetically sealed so i don't know that they would necessarily see the benefit in in doing that but yeah i you certainly wouldn't get an all joshi big egg now i just think that i just think that it's not it's the structure isn't the same you know we've got the upcoming um the yokohama arena show on april the 23rd which mm. looks like an absolutely incredible show and they are bringing in people from some other promotions for that it basically looks like a dream slam and the fact that it's in yokohama which is one of the places where some of those big major women's wrestling shows happened in the 90s as well you know that's that's not lost on me either that feels like that's the nearest that we're going to get maybe we're on that track but i think in a couple of years the business would be the 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 business may well be there for it 
Politically, does it happen? Not so sure. I mean, it's not just that that song, uh, show is like a, a Dream Slam. It is called Dream, Dream Slam. <laughs> so uh, they're very much trying to draw on the legacy of that. I mean, the, I think this discussion really does, just the one me and you are having, I think it really does depend on, like, how do you define a big egg? All right. And, and the, the, without getting too fucking, like, structuralist about it, but is a big egg, is it just the matter of having a show at the Dome? Or is it the the fact that it has to be a coming together of all of the Joshi promotions? Because I think actually, if you, if you take out Tokyo Joshi, I think the I think the situation is actually pretty similar to what it was in the nineties. You have because Stardom's in a position at the moment. You've seen when they're doing uh, the New Blood shows. They've because Stardom used to be isolationist for the longest time. They're bringing foreign workers. But they really wouldn't bring in people from other companies because, I mean, really, they had a, a bigger roster than a lot of the other companies. Uh, and again, uh, Rossi Agawa, influenced by AJW, they worked with people when they had to, but mostly they were just off on their own. And, yeah, I, I think that they they never used to play well with others and suddenly they did. But I think that is actually it's not a sign of weakness uh, for stardom. I think it's actually a sign of strength. They can afford to bring in performers from other companies because they're not a threat. They they can work with Marvelous and they'll bring in Chiro Hashimoto from Sendai. I mean, they were on bad terms with Sendai for uh, for years, but they're, they're bringing them in now. The only ones really they've not worked with are Tokyo Joshi for obvious obvious reasons, and uh, also Ice Ribbon. I don't know what the uh, what the beef is there, although there seems to be a lot of Ice Ribbon beef uh, floating around at the moment. But I I, I think that. The interpromotional aspect, I think certainly Stardom wouldn't have a problem with it just because they're that secure that, I mean, yeah, firstly, they can work with other companies. And, and secondly, um, very often these do seem like trial runs for you know, skimming off a lot of the top talent um, from from these other, other promotions. And really, they'll, they'll just snap the fingers and the other promotions they'll have to jump. I mean, you don't have to like it, but that's that's really the way it is. I don't know, David, what, what thoughts do you have on this? Yeah. I agree. And I would also point to the um, interminable um, uh, habit they have now of having like a third night of the Wrestle Kingdom. Where they do <laughs> the New Japan Noah face-offs. You know, so they do New Japan versus Noah and they'll do the big show at usually so Eddie on Arena or Yogama or something like that. Um, and it's, you know, it's Bushy Road versus Cyber Agent. Um, now, those cards are not always that great because a lot of it is it's Okada and some jobber, uh, or a little bit like Okada and Yano versus like the GHC champion and some scrub who has lost like 18 of his last 20 matches, all tags, all taking the fall. I wonder how this will go. It's that sort of thing. And I definitely think that there is scope in the future for something of that nature of a stardom Tokyo Joshi basically ripping the New Japan Noah format and doing something like that. However, I do think that um, George makes a fantastic point about what is a big egg because is stardom versus Tokyo Joshi is that a big egg or is that Stardom versus Tokyo Joshi at Tokyo Dome? I would argue for it to be a big egg, you need to have something closer to the 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 Gold Gundam show from 95. 
Yes, um, that's a really that's a really good shout. I think that that is the way that you would go with it. Um, <laughs> sorry, have you just the Go Gundan show? Is are you sorry? Are you calling that show? Are you naming that show after the fucking Ryuma Go match? I looked up, yeah, because I couldn't remember what it was called. And it <laughs> it's called Bridge real... of Dreams, David. It's called Bridge I, of Dreams. I, 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 thought it was, I thought it was Bridge or something. But I looked up <laughs> to Imagine Silver X because I can remember that. But I can't remember <laughs> the name of the show. But yes, so uh, Ross Kemp's Bridge of Lies, the Tokyo Dome show uh, from 95. So the, the format of that was that every promotion had an offer match. Um, apart from War, who just took the huff and decided they didn't want to wrestle. But I mean, you look, um, you look at, I mean, even like the All Together shows after the tsunami. Like, if you know, if New Japan, All Japan, and Noah can come together to have shows, I don't see any reason why Stardom and Tokyo Joshi can. However, if you asked me, what would you prefer, like Stardom versus Tokyo Joshi, or offer matches from each? I would probably go the offer matches myself and have because I mean you look at it you've got ice ribbon you've got prominence you could have Gaki no Fuchi you could have um, you know wave you could have uh, Gattle move or Choco Pro or whatever you you could have so many promotions not giving offer matches in there that you don't necessarily need you could have a big you know tag match Stardom versus Tokyo Joshi in the main or something like that but there's no reason why you can do it there's there's enough smaller promotions in there that can that can chuck in um, a match that. You, you absolutely could do that, and I think that is the way to go with it, um, it to replicate it the Go Gundan show, as I like to call it. But, but I think this kind of comes to, uh, and we'll, we'll see, we'll see when we um, come into the next section. There's a knot you have to thread because the the idea of the Go Gundan show, um, that's probably what you prefer. But that's that in in reality, that's not going to fill the dome like a, a stardom show or stardom versus tokyo joshi show is like with with the the greatest respect in the world to comical and sexy pro wrestling wave i think that's um you, you know what I'm trying the, to say. The, seats. the difference between stardom versus tokyo joshi and new japan versus noah is that noah are not a rival to new japan so tokyo joshi i think is much more of a legitimate challenge to stardom and you know to, to me the idea of what is a big egg is it absolutely has to be interpromotional to me can you name a joshi promotion that was operating in 1994 that isn't on that card well yeah well no exactly <laughs> and i think that i think that's the thing it's the i think you probably do have stardom and friends kind of shows you kind of have those dream slams you don't have a show with all of them certainly not all of the ones that are kind of you know us sitting here in the uk in 2023 are aware of you'll get tiny ones that are audiences of six people in nagoya or something like that there were probably some of those at the time as well but it's those it's those big guys i, I think you probably i think dream slam yes big egg no I, I think we'll 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 certainly end up seeing um, in in the future, I mean, one one way or the other, other is it's certainly an interesting time uh, for the for the Joshi scene. And also uh, further to that, Sarah, uh, you said uh, Noah isn't a rival to New Japan, which made me remember Kazuchika Okada versus Kaito Kimiya, and then I got a bit sad. So thank you very much for that. Um, I've never seen that match, so I'm going to play dumb. I'm yeah. going to play innocent. You can't blame me. Probably for the best. Um, so just I think following on to that, that brings us to our next section. I think this is going to really help us figure out the 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 dynamics between what is realistic in terms of a possible big egg two and what 
uh, well, certainly the people who listen to this podcast actually want from from this show. So, uh, and thank you very much to all of the people who have responded to, uh, to this. I've read all of your submissions for this uh, little uh, game that we are going to play. So the challenge I laid down to you, the listeners, was such. We wanted you to book your own Big Egg card using currently active professional wrestlers. And furthermore, I gave everyone a template to follow so that the show would be reminiscent of Big Egg One. It would be in keeping with the spirit of it. So I so I gave you a list of 17 matches uh, to fill. Slim down from uh, 24, uh, no need to thank me. Um, and I wanted you to fill all these with matches that were similar to the, the themes that we have covered on the podcast so far. So juniors, uh, rookies, idols, he did into promotional fights, things like that. So what we're going to do, so me, Sarah and David, we've all put together our cards. We're going to go through it match by match and we're going to say what we have put for each. And then we are going to go to, I've got them all in a nice little Google Sheets document. We're going to look at the best suggestions from you, the listeners. For the, I'm really looking forward to this. Um, Sarah myself and david we have not seen our each other's cards uh so this is going to be completely new to us so we shall start with match one uh, i have stipulated that like on big egg wrestling universe we want a rookies match be that a single a tag match six woman tag whatever so i will go first uh the first match on my card is stardom versus tokyo joshi i have put lady c and hanako uh, now, Hanako is uh, a very recently debuted stardom wrestler who is even taller than Lady C. She's about 5'10", five 5'11". Five so it's like, right, two tall lasses together. We all love tall lasses, right? And they are going to be wrestling Jurian Nagano and Himawari from Tokyo Joshi. So we've got one karate black belt and one absolute nonsense merchant. So that's my first uh, match. Sarah, what, what's yours? To be honest, I was kind of seeing this as a good opportunity to go very interpromotional and because we're actually in a really good period for um, rookies across a few different promotions. So what I've actually written down for this, despite the fact I was up until half two in the morning, is all these cool actress girls rookies I keep hearing about versus all the cool and promising marvellous rookies I keep hearing about. And I don't care. I don't care how many people are on either side of that tag. I just want to watch them all go at it. I just want to give them all like 15 minutes to just all go out there, get their characters over and just kind of show the world what they can do. Because I think it'd be really fun. I mean, complete, completely fair shout. David, what about yours? I, I have a confession to make here, right? I have not watched much Joshi <laughs> in many, many years. Anyone I think is a rookie is probably a nine-year ace with about six title <laughs> reigns at this point. So I was like, oh, shit, this is a disaster. I won't, I won't lie, right? My entire card is based on vibes. <laughs> there isn't... <laughs> I expected <laughs> nothing less, David. This card, if this was reviewed by, I don't know, let's say, 411 Mania, they'd hate this. They'd despise this. It would be it'd be interminable. But I'd have a great time, right? Um, and I really struggle with this because, again, I don't know any rookies. I remember we've done the Tokyo Joshi shows and stuff like that. Couldn't remember any names. So I enlisted our good friend uh, Luke of Marshmallow Bomb. I said, Luke, I don't know any rookies. Can you help me? So my I had the idea for the match, but I didn't know who was going to win it. So uh, our first match is the Andresa Giant Panda Battle Royale. <laughs> 30 rookies from every promotion 
interspersed of cuts of Andresa looking on wistfully and waving at the camera every so often, right? <laughs> Who's uh, 15 minutes, bish bash bosh, it's going to be great, right? And I'm like, who wins it, right? So I, I messaged Luke and he said, ideally, you want someone who doesn't really understand what's going on when they win, right? Which I think is the perfect <laughs> vibe, exactly what we're looking for. Someone who's quite new and quite quiet. And then, uh, but he said, however, is it too obvious to say Haruna Neko? And good Lord, he was so on the money. I was like, yes, cat girl is winning the Andresa Giant Panda Battle Royal. <laughs> just, the, just the picture of her and Andresa with the giant trophy and the, the blankety-blank checkbook and pen. We're just, you know, we're on the right start. This is this is the best opener since like Daniel Bryan versus Triple H at WrestleMania 30. <laughs> okay, you while want... I agree this is a great opener, I do think this should be the final of the veto. <laughs> <laughs> you're you're aware that Haruna Neko and Andres Giant Panda tagged together quite recently, David. Did, oh right, well I I'm sorry I'm I'm not here to do the rest of my card. I'm only go watch that, but um, <laughs> yeah, um, yeah, exactly. This should be this is the V top. This is my V top, but um. I funnily enough, this was the second hardest thing for me to book on this card. Can you guess what the first hardest thing for me to book on this card was? <laughs> I, I I think it might be coming up in match number two. I'm not sure. No, it was the V top. Oh, the V top. Oh, the V top was like, so hard to book. I've booked I mean, it twice using completely different wrestles every time. It's really I hard. To, I had to sit for 20 minutes and go name eight Joshi wrestlers who are quite big and popular, and I was really really struggling. So we'll get to the top, but yeah, Andre's a giant panda battle royal. Okay, so now it's time for us to uh, consult uh, the, the Vox Populi. Um, let's see what our listeners have come up with. Um, going to be going by everyone's uh, Twitter handle. So uh, it's Dana now, actually, also teamed up Lady C and Hanako. <laughs> so she's had the same, same idea as I did, uh, just team up the two tall asses. And uh, I would say um, at Monkey Buckles wins the award for the longest tenured wrestler to be classed as a rookie. He's just put Micah in there. I'm pretty sure she's been wrestling about four or five years. So <laughs> congratulations, you win that award. However, I would like to see Micah and Lady C versus Arisu Endo and uh, Tomoko Inaba. The the names that have come up the most here are Himawari, uh, who I had in mind, uh, Wakano Uehara, a uh, recent Tokyo Joshi rookie. And uh, the most common name was uh, Ai Hozan from Marvelous, who is getting rave reviews for uh, her work. So that's uh, that's really good. Uh, my my favorite wild card in this is from uh, uh, Gas Tank Adam, uh, friend of the show. Uh, his his card has quite a lot of uh, de uh, involvement, which I kind of wasn't expecting, but I do like it. And the rookie match he's gone for is Shino Suzuki and Kaya Toribami versus uh, Tiffany Stratton and Lash Legend from NXT in what I can only assume is a horrific punishment for the two Tokyo Joshi wrestlers. Possibly they didn't share their barbecue vouchers with the rest of the group. I would absolutely be fascinated by that. But Shino's actually one of the people who I'm really excited about just because I love these people who come in and they're kind of their, uh, their gimmick is almost fully formed. It's just that the wrestling needs to catch up with it. There's the minute we realised that Shino had a little flat um, referring back to her sort of former occupation as a as a tour bus guide, uh, is just uh, do you know what I'm 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 all in. <laughs> That's all I want. Adam surely unlocked a, a great a great facet here. I think possibly a good rookie match would if you done. Now go with me on this. A Mako Satamura gauntlet. Oh, oh baby! Oh my god! Like fifteen people, fourteen rookies. 
Mako Satamura, three like a minute each, and just see it or or whatever, just do like a gauntlet and just make her Satamura beating the piss out of NXT UK's worst chaff would be great, great stuff. And yeah, or even just yeah, get get the lads in the black knee pads in, um, and have Mako de- Mako de- destroy them. But I think a Mako Satamura, you know, a rookie gauntlet would be amazing. Yes, and possibly the most violent match on the show as well. I, mean, if you've... I was going to say that feels cruel and unusual for the ki- for, for the kids involved. <laughs> get 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 uh, Takeuchi from uh, Guy Girls out of retirement. Have her nose broken one last time for old time's sake. Right, match number two. <laughs> so match number two uh, again, as it was on the Real Big Egg, uh, we have gone for a minis match. So once again, I will go first. <laughs> Um, I've actually gone for, I can just hear David like giggling and salivating in the background at the mayhem he's about to unleash on us. I don't know if there'll be any crossover between mine and his. I feel like they're going to no, be... No, definitely will not. I can guarantee you that. <laughs> oh, God. Okay, so I've actually gone for a fatal four-way match, which I think would be allowed as per the minis division because they did do uh, triple threats, which are kind of not the norm, but it was kind of its, its own little thing. So that's fine. So fatal four-way. We have got Hornswoggle versus Mascarita Dorada versus Mascarita Sagrada versus Microman. That's right, it's WLC 2. And uh, the reason I, I like the WLC stipulation on this is firstly because the original WLC is a genuinely fantastic match. Secondly, the problematic elements of that match, shall we say, I think are fully in keeping with the problematic elements of AJW's minis division. <laughs> right now... I was absolutely certain that David would be the first person to invoke WLC. And I think <laughs> the only reason that I'm wrong about that is because you gave your answer first, George. Yeah, so well, let's go to David. David, what have you come up with? No. I've went off the brief here. I've I've had a bit more of a spiritual view of this, right? Because or let's be honest, let's let's get the elephant in the room out of the way. I don't know any Japanese monies, right? No I don't think there are any now. No, there is no Japanese monies, right? And I felt just having a bunch of luchadors from Mexico. It's fine, but it's very much why are you picking them? Because they're only ones that are available. It's not, it didn't really feel very big egg, to be honest, for me. So I went on a, a more holistic approach to this and go, what are the minis on big egg? Like, what, what, what is the minis match? And the minis represented a different division, similar, similar to like cruiserweights or women's divisions in, say, WWE, WCW. It, it's, it's another attraction of a different genre that um to kind of break stuff up essentially and obviously you know that's not me being disparaging to women's wrestling i spent literally three days of my life recording (laughs) and about about fucking three weeks of my life editing these episodes on big egg wrestling universe but you understand the point i'm making and that certainly when it started a lot of things with like juniors and minis and women's wrestling was to kind of give a bit of diversity and a bit of variance um, and the show so it's not just all you know guys who look like they've been hard boils in black trunks wrestling each other for four hours you know there was some sort of deviation so i thought about we needed something else that embodied the minis but didn't have minis in it and now it's going to sound like i'm cheating and i'm not cheating because i have put a lot of thought into this are you Sarah, are you aware of 666 the pro- the promotion I've heard of it. I don't think I've... I, I think I've maybe seen one match from 666. I would argue you've not. 
right? Because okay. so six six six. So I mean, Chairman Ramu, uh, the greatest of all time, is from six six six. She was the chairman of six six six. However, six 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 shows were uh, never released on tape. Very 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 hard to find stuff from six 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 for many years. And the reason that they did not tape is because he used to do shows in Cork and stuff like that. And they used to have um, Crazy SKB, who is like a Japanese punk musician, who was sort of the, the godfather of 666 for a long, long time. And his thing was, is I can't really wrestle, but I'm fucking mental. So <laughs> um, his signature used to be fireworks, where he would strap on a jacket made of fireworks set it alight and jump onto it. That was his finishing move, right? Now, health and safety man didn't really like that. Not not a fan of setting up a whole bunch of fireworks in Cork and Hall, let's be honest. Fire safety went off their nut. So the reason you never got 666 shows on tape is so that no one could see them doing it, so they didn't get done by Cork and fire safety people because, uh, well, there was no tape of it and you can't prove it. Never recorded it, never taped it. I think that 666 needs its moment of daft punks fighting firework brawls. Um, so I went for Ram Kachow, Niyoshi Sano, and Jun Kasai against Crazy SKB, Yuga, and Onryo. He's, like, he's a ghost, isn't he? He's a ghost who yeah, covers himself in flower. Uh, so it's all like, it all comes off them when they're wrestling, so it looks like they're a spirit, yeah. So it's all about spookiness and fireworks and just general nonsense. And I feel that the match he'd have obviously would end with him blowing himself up with fireworks <laughs> in the jacket. But it's it's enough. It's a completely different diversion from everything else in the show. It is its own unique thing that no one else could replicate. It's his own division. No one else can do it like 666. So I went for a 666 match with Ram Kachow in it because she was the chairman. And yeah, that I, I thought that's the closest I could get. I think I will say, David, I, I like it, but I'm not optimistic that they would actually permit it. Because going back to Bridge of Dreams, you ever heard that story Mick Foley tells about how he tried to do a flaming table spot in the IWA Japan match and he couldn't get the table to light. And he was later informed that if he had managed to do it, the fire marshal would have shut the show down. <laughs> so right, I, it. I don't know what the Tokyo Dome is like on, uh, <laughs> on fireworks nowadays, but uh, I would I would tread carefully with that and get permission from the fire safety officer before you did that match. So what about yourself? Ideally do a risk assessment as well. Um, well, I know you weren't expecting this, folks, but I took this body seriously. So I had my, my minis match. I spent a night straight up. The first night I spent trying to book my big egg card was basically trying to find minis who are active in Japan today. Um, and I Amazing. have to say, folks, I have had very very little success with that so if when you know in the fullness of time as people listen to this if you become aware like and if you want to shout out any Japanese minis wrestlers um, of any gender that you're aware of like please let us know I'll retweet them we'll do something like try and get some names out there or something because I would really like to know if they exist I would really like to know if it's still a thing you know especially in Japan so I went down the the other line of saying well I'm booking some women. So and so I then basically decided that this would be a great opportunity to do um, the exact thing that David thought was not in the spirit of this brief um, and basically do a, a Mexican uh, luchadoras showcase. So in this case, I would have, and again, very difficult to find, especially in English, although to be honest, there wasn't a huge amount cropping up in Spanish either, really difficult to kind of find a lot of 
like decent quality information on people. Um, but I saw an incredible documentary at Leeds International Film Festival a couple of years ago. Trust me, I'm going somewhere with this. Um, the documentary is called uh, Luchadoras, and it's about um, a group of it's it sort of chooses like four women who are living in Juarez in Mexico. So there's this huge tide of kind of violence against women that's kind of well documented that's happening there at the moment. Um, but Luchadoras is this incredible documentary um, about four women who are there who are dealing with these different challenges in their lives and their family lives and and their professional lives as well but all of whom are luchadoras in their in sort of their spare time as well one of them might even be professional um so that i've been looking everywhere guys and luchadoras is not currently streaming anywhere in the uk or the us and it's driving me absolutely bonkers because it's out there you can google it it exists i just can't find it showing anywhere track it down if you possibly can but yeah as um, a really, really interesting woman who who wrestles as Mini Sirenita. She's got, um, you know, she supports her family as well. She, she is a at least semi-professional Mini wrestler in Juarez. And not everybody that she wrestles against is is also a Mini. But, you know, they are they, they have quite a really interesting kind of women's wrestling scene in, in Juarez that I really wanted to know a bit more about. So that's my first fuck you, I'm doing this seriously answer. I would really like to get Mini Serenita over to this match and be able to actually meet her and find out more about her. <laughs> and then I was looking for some alternatives so and people that she might be able to wrestle. Um, and again, really hard to find people. Um, but La Gia de Espectrito is a name that I sort of vaguely recognised. And the reason I realised that is because she is La Gia, the daughter of um, Espectrito, who is a f- former um, Mexican national minis champion. And he lost his mask to Mascarita Sagrada. So oh. maybe there's some kind of historic beef that we can like draw on. Like if your if if George's mini matches also happens somewhere else, maybe we can bring those two together. Or otherwise, I'd do something kind of uh, I'd do something else and maybe bring in an exotico like Mini May Flowers or someone like that. Um, so basically. I spent a lot of time researching actual mini luchadoras and, and luchador exoticas that I could bring into this match. And I, I would just book that as, a, as an excuse to uh, as an opportunity to give a showcase to some people that I'd really want to see a bit more of. I mean, well, we've 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 all really gone in different directions with this. And so have our fans. So um, we have got uh, Microman's come up a lot, as he uh, did in my match. Um, uh, Stuart Everson of Marshmallow Bomb at Everson 83 nominated Microman and Atomo versus Chimuel and Zacharias and put in brackets I won't lie I just went on Microman's cage match and picked a match he had so thank you very much uh, for that he also cropped up in uh, at Vital Mania's entry which uh, I particularly loved this uh, Microman versus El Hero del Puppet the Psycho Dwarf Jr. <laughs> that made me laugh <laughs> quite a lot uh, if, if, if only uh, we've got even uh, Max Mini uh, cropping up uh, at Sandre the Giant's I think it's basically a rerun of the minis match from uh, whichever pay- WWF pay-per-view in 1997 that was. Uh, at Per Anderson, friend of the show, has got Kemenito defeating Mr. Butterman and it says here, Sakura Hirota dressed in Little Frankie. <laughs> <laughs> Excellent news. I have got absolutely yeah. no idea what that match would be. <laughs> Excellent use of Sakura Hirota. Uh, Luke at Flupke to Flupke just says the Mr. Butterman open invitational. <laughs> It's Dana now. We've just done Shoko Nakajima versus Hiruneka versus Nodoka Tenma back from retirement for one night only. We brought her back from the farm. Here she is. Um, and I think the, the thing that probably I found most interesting in this, um, now a friend of ours, Jose at uh, Panther Wagner, a big fan of the Lucha, he's uh, he's not actually given us a full card mainly because he doesn't really watch much uh, modern day Joshi. He's big into the 90s, but not the modern product. But 
And the point he did make, and I think it's one we've kind of gone around, is that a minis match doesn't really make much sense nowadays because there isn't a minis uh, division. So what he proposed was instead, and this is a role that um, if you know your lucha minis often fulfil, is a mascot match. So he's booked Andres the Giant Panda versus Cheetan. I think we would, I could say we would all love to see that match. Absolutely, so, definitely. Moving on, we have got match number three. Match number three. This is probably my favourite one uh, to book and uh, one of my favourite ones that people have given us responses to. So. I decided we'd only have one terrible worksheet rather than four, but one terrible worksheet is what is is what we have. Like I say, this is not going to be the best show you've ever seen, but it is going to be true to Big Egg. So I am going to set forth my worksheet first. I had a few ideas as for what I mean. Firstly, like deciding what martial arts discipline it should be. Should it be judo? Should it be jiu-jitsu? Should it be amateur wrestling, shoot boxing, uh, muay thai, uh, whatever? But the match I have put together, and actually this is in keeping with original Big Egg, in that it is a Japanese performer versus a a foreign fighter. And someone we've actually mentioned on the podcast before, I think, the foreign fighter in a very different context, the uh, the daughter of one of the greats of mixed martial arts. So my worksheet is going to be you versus Destiny Yaba. What fighting discipline? It doesn't matter. I'm, I'm here for it. I'm here for it. <laughs> Unsurprisingly. <laughs> <laughs> big last bingo let's let's fucking have big it. last bingo human like conquers yeah it could be yeah. a great human conquers <laughs> yeah I, I i'd just love to see it just like it it would be it would be fascinating we'd all love to see it <laughs> <laughs> david what have you got for us i've got six words for you <laughs> for sale baby she's never won <laughs> so i can't oh it's even sadder than that um, <laughs> um Shinobu Kandori brackets work versus Gabby Garcia brackets shoot. <laughs> <laughs> it just reminded me of the, the story about uh, Brackus thinking that the ball for all was a work. Just think, fucking hell, they've been a bit stiff with me. I mean, we built up for this for 15 episodes, George. The only thing I could do for the, the stupid shit match, Gabby Garcia versus Shinobu Kandori, give the fans what they want. So my approach to this was to take the person who shows up for the fight when Shinobu Kandari doesn't and pick up Yumiko Hotta in this situation. <laughs> and because I assumed that somebody else would invoke the name of Gabby Garcia, I went with somebody else where I thought I'd be absolutely fascinated to see the match. So I present Yumiko Hotta versus Chris Cyborg. Oh, what a shout. Can, can I ask a question? How many roids is Cyborg allowed to do for this? Is it all of them? I don't care. I'm not a mum. <laughs> and more. <laughs> oh, that is an incredible. Chris Cyborg, fucking hell, that's a blast from the past. You're welcome, George. You're welcome. I'm, uh, I'm, 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 very, I'm very happy with that. Um, someone, this is uh, Vital Mania again, has gone for a uh, somewhat similar approach. I, I actually quite like the idea of this match. And there's a, a built-in grudge. Uh, they've just booked Shinobu Kandori versus Yubiko Hata. <laughs> Always a good time. <laughs> <laughs> like, well, welch on the match and leave me to get pounded by Gabby Garcia, will you? Who amongst us can say we wouldn't laugh our fucking asses off at that? I also I, just want to go back to the fact that um, Vitalmania has called Shinobu Kandori versus Yumiko Hata rumble in the egg-shaped jungle. <laughs> 
<laughs> Absolutely. Um, per Anderson has booked Julia versus Rin Nakai, from which I can infer he is not a fan of her red belt run. Um, we have got also, oh, Luke has uh, proposed a six-person tag, pitting Sakura Hirota, Maya Fukuda, and Julia Nagano versus the team of Munenori Sawa, Mika Iwata, and Ancham. I, ho- I asked him, um, was Munenori Sawa dressed as lingerie muto uh, in, the, <laughs> in this match? And I can't remember what he said, but I'm hoping the answer is yes. It's Dana now has gone for Risa Sarah versus the president of Ice Ribbon in a death match. Um, and at uh, Lonely Luchador, our good friend uh, Ainsley, who we've uh, not seen in, in person, sadly, for uh, uh, a number of years. He's off you know, raising kids and all, all that jazz. Um, he's gone for uh, Tomoka Inaba versus Shuri. He said this is meant to be a terrible MMA match, but pupil versus teacher story involving these two could be ridiculously good. Ainsley, I wish to slap you on the wrist. This is absolutely not what this is about. You're not meant to book something that's good. You're meant to book something that is absolutely honking horseshit. Thank you very much for your entry regardless. Um, similarly, Stuart has picked Shuri versus Yumiko Hotter. Blackish, that probably doesn't count as terrible. I beg to differ, Stuart. <laughs> it was very tough for us all have because we're all working on a plan B ever since Shane McMahon destroyed his knee and ruined all our plans. <laughs> I would just like to give a special shout out to one of the matches in this list that I would love to see more than any other and I mean for real I don't care whether it's a work or a shoot monkey underscore buckles Mark Buckledy on Twitter um, the host of co-host of the Must See Matches podcast in this spot has booked <laughs> Aja Kong versus Lufisto. Get that oh. in my veins. I don't want to see it as a fucking shootboxing match, though. I, I just love the idea of Aja Kong doing a shootboxing and just going, so I, I just reckon that's all I do. Just consistently twirling round oh, for like four uh, minutes, <laughs> trying to Urikin Lefisto over and over again. Me, me, and, me and a friend uh, once played uh, a game of uh, UFC Undisputed 3 on the Xbox where we picked our fighters basically in random and realised they both had the spinning back fist in their repertoire. And for the entire fight, that was all we did. It was just spinning round and round. It was basically hu- human Beyblades. Look at now. If you don't do it, a fight circus will. <laughs> 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 We're into the interpromotional tags now. So um, what I asked for for matches four and five was I wanted a heated interpromotional tag and then a slightly less heated interpromotional tag. So one's an exhibition and one's a real fucking blood feud. So my match number four, um, a lot of people who have written into us have gone for Ice Ribbon related beef, which is kind of understandable considering the uh, fury um, surrounding that promotion now. Um, And I, I, I did go down that route myself i thought of a prominence versus ice ribbon match uh might be good but actually what i've gone for is it's tag match and it is pitting uh miyamomono and rin Kadakura versus kohaku um formerly known as makoto shindo and mei seira who has recently resurfaced in stardom formerly known as mei hoshizuki um, i don't know what the beef was which resulted in the latter two getting mysteriously shit canned from Marvelous uh, a couple of years ago. But if there is any lingering resentment there, then I like to think it would bear fruit in this match. And they're, and they're also incredible wrestlers. Get Ring Kadokura back. For, okay, caveat to that, she has to have had the baby first. We're not having any pregnant people wrestling on this show. I cannot stress this enough. We've already got loads of fucking fireworks going off. The baby cannot be exposed to this. I'd just like to say thank you because this is how I realised that that's who Mei Hoshizuki is now and therefore I'm quickly removing her from this match where I've booked her. Oh, God. That's okay. I've got a backup. You can, you can keep her in. It's fine. 
I mean, what, what was your match? You negligent monster. I know, no, absolutely <laughs> terrible. You knew this might happen when and we just all didn't those hours, each other the card. All those but, hours researching luchadoras and didn't check where Mick Oshizuki was now. So, but my, my heated interpromotional match, again, it brings in stardom, so it would have complicated May's position in hindsight. But um, basically, I'm unaware of any actual beef in between these people, but I think if you want a match to become heated very quickly, you call Oedo type and you call the scrappy bastards. So in this case, I am booking Azmi and Momo Watanabe versus I'm swapping Mei Hoshizuki for Maria and Mio Mamona because I feel Ooh. like there's, just, there's enough needle between those four people. They are all capable of terrible things. And I feel like there's no personal beef between them, but they'll get there. You wanted heat. Oh, and I, I, I'm giving more you fireworks. More, more, more fireworks. fireworks. And sushi on it. No. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I, 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 you had me going because it's you. Oh, no. When you hear what it is, you'll know that I've absolutely just swerved you and I've done exactly what you're thinking. However, I 30 years, George. 30 years this has been going on. Oh, 25, 30 years, right. Two, two people who have had a blood feud for so long. It defines Puro. It defines Joe. It defines us all. So I have booked two of the the top promotions in um, Japan to face off against each other. So my heated interpromotional time match is representing Tokyo Championship Wrestling. We have <laughs> Anne Chamu, Mila Schmidt, and Ina Hazuki. Sarah, have you ever seen the Ina Hazuki? I have not. Her gimmick is she does card tricks. Mid-match, Sold. it's amazing, it's incredible It's honestly incredible She was at the Tokyo Championship Wrestling Show I done. She just halfway through and said, she's doing fucking card tricks She's the greatest wrestler of all time Why is she, <laughs> why is she not in the dome? Um, so this is her time um, In their corner managing them It's survival to beat her Representing Gaki no Fuchi, Miyako Matsumoto Suzu Suzuki and Risa Sera With their manager, Ken the fucking box <laughs> <laughs> I love how you've worked Survival to Beta versus Ken the Box somehow into this Tokyo Dome Joshi wrestling show. Ultimately, I'm not surprised, but some, but I kind of do want to see that. Survival to Beta is to you what Michael Winner defending the lesbians on Richard Littlejohn is to Daniel. <laughs> it's always coming up, regardless of whether it's relevant. No, that 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 does sound incredible. To be honest, fond memories of that episode where we just talked about our holidays, and David talked about going to that wrestling show where he was surrounded by completely legitimate businessmen. No, I like I like all these matches. Let's see what our fans have got. So, like I say, there's a lot of uh, ice ribbon. Um, now, at one point, Luke actually made is that for ages he said that the. Uh, probably the big beef was Ice Ribbon versus Gatto Move. I, I don't know if that's been squashed now, but um, I mean, this is what Stuart Everson has gone for. He's gone for Emi Sakura and Mei Suruga versus Tsukasa Fujimoto and Ibuki Hoshi. Brackets throw all the leftover budget at uh, at uh, Skoosh to get her out of retirement. I assume Sakushi is going to be involved in somewhere as well. At Lonely Luchador has gone for a intergender death match pitting Rina Yamashita and Masashi Takeda versus Suzu Suzuki and Toshiyuki Sakuda. That sounds incredible. Sandre the Giant has gone for 
Tsukasa Fujimoto again. She's in a lot of these. And Mayu Kiki versus Suzu Suzuki and Julia. Ooh, that is like many levels of Ice Ribbon beef. That is a fucking inception of this. AEW versus uh, Ice Ribbon for some reason on uh, Vital Mania's card. I do want to see this though. Uh, Jamie Hayter, Hikaru Shida, and Riho versus Tsukasa Fujimoto, Risa Sawa, and Suzu Suzuki. Uh, there she is again. Miramono and Takumiya Roho versus Risa Sawa and Suzu Suzuki from Monkey Book. I don't know why it is about prominence. Prominence exists because of beef. <laughs> yeah, to be fair, that is true. That is very true. I really like those. I like I like everyone's uh, suggestions for these, but those are the um, the ones that uh, stood out to me, really. So I think let us move on to match number five. So this is the slightly less heated uh, interpromotional match. I've kind of done something similar to what Sarah did for this match in that Oeda Tar involved in mine. Uh, so it is going to be uh, an eight-woman tag match. It is Oeda Tai represented by Natsuko Toru, Momo Watanabe, Starlight Kid, and Saki Kashima, with uh, Ruaka and Rina at ringside as their seconds, versus the Up Up Girls. Do, well, do that you would be just hilarious. not want... Do you, you want to see that, right? You you want to see the the cutesy charm of up up girls versus you know whatever it is. Oh, I just like Raku getting tried in the head with a suitcase. But within all of that, you also get Miu Watanabe versus Starlight Kid, and that that is an idea. Ab- absolutely, like I just love all the I, dynamics I, within this polar opposites in terms of aesthetic. While we're on the subject, what's your vision for the the opening dance number from the up up girls? <laughs> After the fan Do you think they should just like rip off the tracks and just go to <laughs> yes? Yeah, basically they need to do a box phase at Eurovision. <laughs> I, I think that Shino should be holding up the standard for her promotion in the opening parade, but instead of the company flag, it's just got one of those little things that they use for the tours. <laughs> Everyone follow the standard so you can see me. Don't go falling behind campus. David, what do you got? I, I, my, when I was building this card, my first uh, rule was I need to have the four pillars on here. So we've already had Ram Kitch out. Uh, we'll get to uh, Mason Ruger, the other pillar, later on. So I thought, well, you know what, I can use this to combine two of mine. So I have um, Momo Watanabe and Starlight Kid against Hyper Masao and Shoko Nakajima. Ooh, I love that. Mm, that's interesting because I also have Shoko Nakajima and Hyper Misao in this match oh really <laughs> I do I do I've, I've gone down the this is my nonsense match approach to this because I oh, feel like we're all going to need a break at some point so this is I mean it probably could get really violent actually but I really want to see it so this is Shoko Nakajima and Hyper Misao versus team 200 kilograms you and Chihiro oh, Hashimoto yes please I just think yes. that'd be hilarious. I don't know what that match would be, but also people are going to take some sick bumps in it, and I'm just fascinated. I think Chihiro would no-sell the bike bump. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, probably would, actually. You would sell it to death, and Chihiro would stand firm. I'm, I'm, I'm trying to think what Hyper Missile would do for her entrance. I'm thinking she'd come out with a comically large onigiri. Like, <laughs> an onigiri which is the size of Haruna Haru Neko. I could, could we get her on a penny farthing? <laughs> <laughs> well, we got we got her on the Boris bike, so like we the, got her on the, the Boris bike. The other yeah. iconic British bicycle. <laughs> uh, they, it's very weird that all our uh, entries are as uh, similar to each other uh, as they are, but um, well, the up, up girls come up, come up a lot in the suggestions that we've had submitted actually as well. 
Yeah, they do. I'm just looking at uh, looking at some of these. So we've got um, uh, Yuki Sakazaki and Mio Watanabe versus uh, Starlight Kid and Momo Watanabe from uh, from uh, Monkey Buckles. Uh, and we have got um, just having a look at uh, some of these. Um, Yuki Sakazaki and Rika Tatsumi versus Saikamitani and Tamlikano. I feel like this is just like a vehicle for a lot of people just to put their dream Tokyo Joshi versus Stardom matches on. Vital Mania, Momo Watanabe, Starlight Kid and Fukikin Death versus Rika Tatsumi, Mizuki and Mio Watanabe. Luke has gone for something a little bit more left field. A interpersonal match in which Gato Move is the bigger company. Uh, we've got Mei Suruga and Chieko Ishikawa versus Momoka Hanazono and Popo the Hermit from uh, 2.5D Pro Wrestling. <laughs> That's a really deep cut, that is. Remember the name Popo the Hermit. <laughs> uh, it's Dana now has gone for Momokogo and Wakatsukiyama from Stardom versus uh, Koki and Naru. I am always going to assume that wrestlers I haven't heard of are from Actress Girls, and I looked them up, and indeed it was. Uh, Lona Luchador has gone for Mina Shirakawa and Unagi Sayaka versus Hikari Shimizu and Saki. Uh, that sounds really good. Yeah, we've got some quite interesting ones here. A lot of them involving Actress Girls and Stardom and Tokyo Joshi. So I, I feel like a lot of people have just treated this as a get people on the card. But this is the WrestleMania showcase of, of Big Egg 2. Okay, moving on, match number six. This is our designated Legends match. I'm interested, like, I've been really lazy with mine, I'm not going to lie. So I'm going to do mine last. I want to see what you guys have uh, have come up with, because I'm wary of uh, stepping on anyone's toes. So, uh, Sarah, why don't you go first? So I I thought a, a nice nod it was in order here to the original Big Egg and the way that kind of the big stars that were on that show at the time are now worthy to be in the legend spot you know they've definitely hit that point alongside the acknowledgement that over the past 30 years time's passed and there's a whole other sort of generation who've now who now kind of are starting to pass into that sort of legendary status as well so i've gone with two stars who were on the original big egg card in aja kong and mayumi azaki oh great shout and i've put them in a tag match with people who i believe are the next generation of legends arisa nakajima and nanai takahashi Oh, that's a great shout. And actually, um, Arisa Nakajima and Nanai Takashi are just people I just couldn't find space for on my card. And I'm not saying I forgot about them, but they weren't foremost in my mind. And that's a really good use of them. I love that. Yeah. And fundamentally, this match would involve people kicking the shit out of each other. And it'd be great. Oh, All of these people can still go incredibly well. Absolutely. Uh, David, what about yourself? I have maybe not construed this in the same way that you have. (laughs) (laughs) A common Um, theme, it seems. (laughs) However, I was under the impression that, like the Legends matches at Big Egg, anyone who was alive and mobile was was game because you had people coming out of retirement to, to wrestle at Big Egg. So I have went for a 10 man. The lads, um, Aja Kong, Bill Nakano, Bison Kimura, Grizzly Iwamoto, and Dump Matsumoto. Oh, yes, please. Against all of Aja Kong's VTOF opponents. So, Manami Toyota, Akira Hokuto, Dynamite Kansai, and also just for added pizzazz, Chigusa Nagayo and Linus Asuka. It will just be 10 older women on the Prosecco having a scrap with bins. Um, it will be absolutely class. It's the perfect, the perfect accompaniment to the rest of my card, let's be honest. But I have talked about this before on the, sh- the show. I believe everyone can have a good wrestling match. Everyone, all three of us, anyone you care to name, 
could have a good wrestling match if you have someone in there who can work. So if you have someone who can control the match and work around it and work in the constraints that you've got, you can have a match irrespective of your physical condition. You can have a good wrestling match. We've got 10 of the greatest workers in the history of wrestling. So we get Bill Nakano off the links, the golf links, and onto the links, the links sausages, get her bulked up. <laughs> I mean, you remember when Minami Toyota had her gauntlet match and Bill Nakano came out and waved some nunchucks about. That's all I want, right? That's all we really want. Just want them to be there and make sure they're all right. Dump Matsumoto and Aja Kong can just twat someone with a bin. It will be great. It, you know, will be about six moves in it. But they'll all be like ocean cyclone suplexes. <laughs> There'll be not many moves, but all of them will be hideous. And it'll be great. It'll be 10 minutes and it'll be smashing. Absolutely. For mine, I've, yeah, like I said, I've just been really lazy on this. I've just shoved every single legend I can think of um, in, in this match, uh, most of whom actually did compete on uh, Big Egg. Pretty much anyone who competed on Big Egg who is currently active. Um, so I, I've managed to limit myself to a mere 10 woman tag. I have gone for Jaguar Kota, Kyoko Inoue, Takako Inoue, Shinobu Kandoi, and Ko Ito, accompanied by Lionel Asuka, Bourne Kano, and Dun Matsumoto, versus the team of Chikisa Nagayo, Arji Kong, Meiko Satomura, Emi Sakura, and Kaori Yoniyama, accompanied by Deep Breath, Akira Hokuto, Minami Toyota, Mayumi Miyazaki, Esko, Mizu Mimishimoto, and Sakura Hirota. <laughs> Look, if you limit me to one Legends match, this is the kind of thing that's going to happen. There's a, there's a basically a lumberjack match, isn't it? <laughs> yeah, it really is. Yeah, it there's... really is. I just <laughs> want to say for the record, you say if you're going to limit me to one Legends match, I mean, you are the person who chose this. You are the that person who limited very, this. A very good point. Yeah, I, I think what we've learned from this is there is a large and quite frankly worrying number of people who wrestled on this show 30 years ago who are still active competitors. Right, let us see what our fans have gone with. So um, Stuart Everson has given us Chicks Nagai and Sakura Hirota versus Mako Satomura and Arjikong. That's just a Gaia match. And um, I, I know Stuart I watches uh, pretty much everything that goes on to the Guy YouTube channel. So this match did not um, phase me at all. Um, per Anderson's gone for Double Inway versus Nanai Takashi and Momoe Nakanishi. That's a great shout from the 2000s. Get her out of retirement. Um, she, so- deserves it. she deserves that spot as well she's an unsung hero from that period mm. um lonely luchador has gone for kyoko in a way and arja kong versus mayumi zaki and yumiko hotter with the note kong and hotter can just repeat their horrific match with those uh hand spots oh fuck thanks for reminding me of that jesus we have got um vital mania emi sakura jaguar yakota and chikis nagayo versus arja kong kyoko in way and medusa with ball nakano medusa's a good shout i did like that one a great deal special mentions here to Oh, I've just seen. Oh, it's Dana now. Um, Chikis Nagayo and Unagi Sayaka uh, taking her under her wing. Uh, Emi Sakura and Chikai Nagashima, the opponents. This actually brings me to a couple of people have. Uh, to be fair, I didn't specify that the match had to be only legends. So they've done the whole Senpai Kohai thing. So uh, Gas Tank Adam has gone for Arjikong and Raku versus Meiko Satomura and Miyu Mashita. I mean, Raku is a legend uh, in a certain sense. And uh, Luke has gone for Koku Inoue and Haruka Misaki versus Arjikong and Raku. So um... I'm not going to lie. I was very tempted by the prospect of Aja Kong, Raku, Pom Harajuku, and Bill Nakano as, <laughs> as like an eight-man team. For that, would, that is excellent stuff. I just, I, I can, I just want to know what Bill Nakano would think of. I think that if Aja, Bill, Raku, and Pom are in a match, 
Bull would just really get into a uh, raccoon Pom's uh, antics and just really just become like the 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 third member of their wacky trio as Asha just kind of looks on disparagingly going what what happened to you like I think that's what would be going on I think Bill would absolutely love it she'd be like making all the poses I think she'd be brilliant okay ma- match number seven and this is probably my favorite one on the list we said we were going to make it reminiscent of Big Egg and we meant it match number seven is our designated Indian wrestling match now there's a number of ways you could go with this and indeed if you watched my brilliant and enlightening discussion of all the wrestling references in Salman Rushdie's novels that I published on Marshmallow Bomb quite recently you know that India does have a quite a storied history of both amateur and professional wrestling so there are a number of ways you can go with this so you had your hand up I just wanted to point out, uh, uh, and you make the reference yourself, that India does actually have a, 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 a storied um, amateur wrestling scene in particular. So India actually has um, quite a quite quite a, a burgeoning amateur wrestling scene for women. Uh, so I'm booking this for real. Oh wow! Okay, well go go on then. Uh, what, what's yours? Yeah. So I started having a look at kind of who are some of the the, the leading lights in. Indian uh, amateur women's wrestling today actually and we've got some quite good options Um, and I do think that for for reasons I'll get into in a minute I do think that they would kind of have a kinship with some of the talent on this card as well so one example is so Sakshi Malik who won bronze at the 2016 Olympics Um, she was actually the first Indian woman to win a medal in wrestling at the Olympics so she got the bronze in 2016 she'd had silver at the Commonwealth in 2014 as well Um, versus Divya Kakran who was silver in the Asian Championships in 2018 got bronze in the Commonwealth in 2022 so she's still around Um, but so both of them are these are very accomplished very talented amateur wrestlers who could put on a really interesting grappling display and backstage we know that they would have friends specifically amongst the up-up girls because Raku's going to want to talk to both of these people their day jobs are both for Indian railways <laughs> yes incredible yeah so um, Divya Kakran is actually a senior ticket examiner um, but Sakshi Malik works in the commercial department but you know they're both I imagine Indian Railways is a huge employer in the country and I'm sure that this is probably just a, a huge coincidence um, but yeah I think Sakshi Malik, Divya Kakran and Raku just sitting in the back talking trains all day I'm so here for it. You've really done your research <laughs> on, on on this certainly more than more than uh, more than I've done. Well, I told I've, you I took it fucking seriously. I mean <laughs> clearly I mean, I've, I've actually seen some of this amateur wrestling they're doing in India like it's got proper big production values there's like lights and entrance music and uh, all that sort of shit it's great. I'll, 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 I'll do mine next like I said I want, I want to know if there's any crossover this was this and the minis was the one that I've been most scared of crossover with David. So, I think I know where you've went with this. I think I've known you many years, George. I think I know exactly what you're going to go here. Okay. Well, let's let's see if you're correct. So, um, and I, I mentioned this in my article you can read on Marshmallow Bomb. Um, back in 2012, there was a TV show on Indian telly, a, a channel called Colours, not the wrestling stable called Rinka King, literally meaning King of the Ring, get some of that uh, multilingual copyright infringement going. Um, this was a co-production by said TV station and Total Nonstop Action Wrestling. And it was a 
combination of local Indian wrestlers and uh, TNA Impact talent, and it's actually rather good. It, it was it's much better than a lot of the stuff t- actual TNA was putting out at the time. Um, an interesting hybrid of sports entertainment with uh, things that were geared for uh, an Indian audience, and um, it's it sadly got cancelled after one series due to low ratings. Low ratings meaning a mere 10 million viewers in uh, Indian terms. Um, and the series climaxed with a one-on-one match between Rinka King Goodwill Ambassador and Test Cricket Superstar Harajan Singh going up against Double J Jeff Jarrett. <laughs> oh my god. I love the idea of a big egg too. Just... I want to see kabongs. So many kabongs. Well, I mean, it's funny you should say that, David, because um, the thing about the end of Rinka King, the season finale, is despite the presence at ringside as special guest enforcer of the sumo wrestler Yamamoto Yama, who for some reason had been a contestant on the Indian version of Big Brother, um, this match ended in a no contest due to some spooky hokum I can't quite remember. I remember the lights going out, but anyway, the match was a no contest. And because Rinka King was cancelled after one season, we never got a resolution to this beef between Harbour Jan Singh and Jeff Jarrett. And what better stage to have the rematch to Separate this once and for all than Big Egg 2. But I know what you're thinking. Stato, how are you going to ensure that there is no repeat of the shenanigans that characterized the first match? How do we make sure there is a winner? Well, if only there was some kind of demonic, diabolical structure that you could place around the ring to stop interfering people getting in. That's oh, right. Harbour Jan Singh versus <laughs> Jeff Jarrett is going to take place in the Punjabi prison. <laughs> I give up. <laughs> 15 episodes and this is what we built to and I think what what a, what a crescendo what a way to go out um, but David can I guess what you've booked well um, <laughs> go on swerved? Right, well, well, if, if I know you as I do I would wager dollars to donuts that you have booked the great Carly versus Satnam Singh am I right no Ooh, okay there was many I I, I right with the V top. I generally went for five ten minutes. Around. Who are eight big Joshi wrestlers? Right, that's fine. That's done. I spent a lot of time on this match, far I'm more sure than the V top. Um, so I was like, right, there's so many ways you could go with this. First of all, you could go, you know, the the children that wrestled at Big Egg will be what 40, 45, 50 now. You know, could we get them in? <laughs> or did they have children that might be a better one uh, you know the legacy it's like El, it's like El Hijo del Santo and Blue, Blue Demon Jr you know they're continuing the battles that their fathers fought um, and I was like you know that's good I like that right but you know mm, it's just not quite the same and then I was like well you could get I could, we could be more serious about this and we could go well you know um, India had the WWE event that escapes my name. Where are they? Uh, what was it called? It was on like in- Independence Day in India. Oh, I can't remember what it's called. But they had two. They had two uh, women wrestlers on that who have never been seen since. Get them at the, uh, the freezer and stick them in. Could do that. However, I have went for a four-on-one handicap match. <laughs> yes, the Great Cali 
versus Balianaki, Mesa Ruga, Lulu Pencil, and Emi Sakura. <laughs> That was not the my fuck? Expectation. Two words. Hi, Jinx. <laughs> <laughs> Admit it. How how good would that? Like I was like, I want Mesa Ruga to have a wacky gato movement, right? We we all like Mesa Ruga has proved me wrong by being able to translate into the wrestling ring and have an amazing gimmick. But Mesa Ruga is like no joke. Probably alongside Brian Danielson and Sami Zayn has one of the most incredible minds for wrestling I have seen in so many years. She's so incredibly yeah. creative. If you gave her the great Cali, it's like when Brock Lesnar has to fight guys bigger than him. You just see the gun in his eye going, I can chuck this cunt, right? <laughs> I think they, they sure would be like, I'd have so much fun with this, making a match. Um, so yeah, great Cali versus ba- Balianaki, Emi Sakura, Mesuruga, and Lulu Pencil in a 4 and one I'm envisioning a, a spot where um, Lulu Pencil has both Mesa and Emi Sakura on her shoulders as sort of like a face-to-face where they have like a strike battle with Emi Sakura and Great Kali. Um, it'll, it'll be absolute nonsense. It will set with eight stars. We've we've all gone we've all gone in very different directions with this one again, and so far, li- listeners, I will say at this point, there's an awful lot of blank spaces on my spreadsheet. There's a lot of question marks. Uh, so some people seemingly were stumped by this, other people weren't. Uh, an interesting interpretation of it from uh, Mr. Stuart Everson. Um, he just booked uh, Runa Okubo of Tokyo Joshi versus Saran of Ice Ribbon, who have a combined age of about 27. So he's just gotten some children. They have to be Indian, and he's just making them fight. Um, I mean, spiritually, that is still in the spirit of Big Egg, isn't it? That is kind of that involves yeah. the the children. You know, we are talking about uh, some you know young Indian women having a grappling exhibition so you know he's just gone with the children fighting side of that whereas we've gone with the indian people fighting kind of thing uh, sandra the giant has gone for jinder mahal versus mahal bali shara uh, fan- fantastic stuff here uh, vital mania has just gone come on mate really i don't know some lads <laughs> it's dana now has gone for balianaki versus yoshihiko who is revealed to be of indian descent that's the goodness rule. gracious me sketch, isn't it? It really yeah, is. Indian. Yoshiko Indian. <laughs> I mean, look, it, the country's got a huge manufacturing industry. I'm sure they've turned out some blow up dolls somewhere along the line. Um, and uh, Luke uh, is probably got my favourite one. And uh, aficionados of backyarding will be very familiar with this, I'm sure. He's gone for Angar TV delayed entry battle royal. <laughs> yes, please get. Abinav, Sagar Mysterio, Baba Ramdev, that guy who's who's just got created wrestler in brackets after his name. All the all the lads. Oh my god. Yeah, they they so Ang uh, for the uninitiated, uh, Angar TV, they're just a bunch of Indian lads who just do backyarding. Um mostly like WWE tributes. Although you can you can pinpoint the moment in time when these Indian lads started watching New Japan because suddenly every country's doing the Ushiguroshi. <laughs> but um, they did a Punjabi prison match. Um, which uh, actually quite a well-built Punjabi prison. They probably, they probably did it and all. And then halfway through the match, someone's aunt runs in and gives someone a stone cold stunner. And that's probably the most I have ever laughed in my life, apart from when Shane McMahon did his call at the weekend. <laughs> um, right. So matches, uh, we're going to actually skip over matches eight to 11 because those are, I've put as the quarterfinals of the VTOP. I think we should probably just save all the people's various VTOP tournaments um, for last 
just so we can see what people have booked. So we're just going to skip straight over to match number 12. Match number 12 is our designated idols match. Yeah, so I, full disclosure, I figured that everyone was going to book the up-up girls in this spot, right? So I, I deliberately went with something a bit different. So I did consider just getting every lass that dresses up like Cutie Suzuki in the ring and just letting them fight it out, which <laughs> would have been like, so it would have been like Rio versus Mizuki versus Rika Tatsumi versus Natsupoi, whatever. But the rules specified that it had to be a tag match. So I've gone with Tam Nakano, the most idly idol that ever idled. And Starlight Kid, because she's a masked idol, I'm sticking with that and therefore, you know, continues with that theme from Blizzard Yuki and the like, but better. Versus people who are very uncomfortable with their relationship with idoldom, Maki Ita and Hikari Noah. Oh, that is an incredible shout. Yeah, I feel like they've all got, it feels like there's a lot of kind of spiritual successes to the stuff that we talked about in the idols episode of, of Big Egg. Um, and with um, Hikari and Tam both having the, the kind of the deathmatch side of them as well. Um, I feel like there's a spirit of Megumi Kudo lives on in this match. So I went for a Raku and Pom Harajuku after they've recorded their podcast with the Indian wrestling last season. <laughs> uh, facing <laughs> off against Maki Ito and Miyu Yamashita. Oh, okay. Miyu, Miyu actually, like, she, she doesn't do it anymore, but like, if you look at early Miyu, she's doing a lot of like dancing and, uh, and stuff. Very weird. Her engine's music was actually a um, J-pop idol group cover of Germany's cult Eurovision entry, Chinggis Khan. An excellent song. It's uh, great. The The idea of Raku and Pom Harajuku teaming up without Arja Kong in tow. Little bit of the uncanny valley about that, but I will allow it. My match, uh, I've gone for an eight-woman tag again, and it's another Stardom versus Tokyo Joshi joint. So, um, look, we're talking about idol wrestlers. Uh, we've got Cosmic Angels. On one side, so we've got uh, Tam Nakano, Mina Shirakawa, Unagi Sayaka, and Natsupoi against a Tokyo Joshi outfit. So two of the four, I've gone for the Magical Sugar Rabbits. Uh, Mizuki, we've talked about being Kuchi Suzuki Light, and um, so I think that qualifies her. And Yuka Sakazaki sings her own entrance theme, so I will be claiming her as an idol for the purposes Ooh, of this. Interesting. I, I was I was I was having a bit of difficulty with this. As like, okay, up up girls. As like, oh fuck, I've already used them. Um, I, can't, I can't I can't do that. I, like you, Sarah, I've shied away from the obvious, putting the up up girls in the idol match. So I was like, what what can I what can I do instead? What, what's like the up up girls? And I'm reaching back into actually before I started watching Tokyo Joshi. So there was a stable called Up Up Girls Brackets Fake back then. <laughs> it, they just did a knockoff Up Up Girls. So uh, Makoto Oishi was uh, in this as well from DDT. But uh, the other two who were involved in this were Hyper Misao and Yuki Kamafuku. So uh, I thought that uh, oh, there would be a great right. addition to that. And they can be accompanied by whichever Tokyo Joshi wrestlers I didn't have space for on this card. Like Shoko Nakajima. I've, I've omitted Shoko Nakajima. Like this card is just is just too stacked. But uh, but yeah, so that's my idol match. Let us see what our fans have got for um, match number 12. Uh, Ainsley uh, at Lonely Luchador. I quite enjoy a, th- uh, a three-way here. Um, Reika Saiki, Tam Nakano, and uh, Fuwa-chan, who is a variety show performer who's done some stuff with uh, with Stardom. She seems very loud and very annoying. Uh, Reika Saiki is going to come out of retirement to show them that being an idol is more than just being cute. And indeed, Reika Saiki, I'm sure, will be able to show them that uh, very thoroughly. Uh, Sandra the Giant has gone for Raku and Yuki Arai versus Maki Ito and uh, Mizuki. 
uh, at Monkey Bookers has gone for Makito and Tamlikano versus Julia and Yuki Arai. I I I like that a lot because yeah. we've got um, it's it's actually combined teams of Tokyo Joshi and Stardom against each other, but we've got the pre-existing beefs between Tamlikano and Julia and uh, Makito and Yuki Arai. Tamlikano, incidentally, relating to that beef, bladed at a press conference recently. You you can take the uh, what a worker <laughs> the Anita influence lives on. <laughs> Incredible stuff there. Uh, Adam has just gone for a singles match. Makito versus Karino would uh, would love to see that. Um, and the, there's a lot of this. I think this is the um, match with the most overlap. I think uh, we've got uh, various combinations of the up-up girls, Makito, uh, Hikari Noah, Tam Nakano, Natsupoi, uh, Yuki Arai, and uh, which I kind of I kind of gathered. Um, and actually, I think it shows that there's a difference between idle promotions and out-and-out idle gimmicks. Yeah, that's fair. That's very true. Because it is kind of a lot of the same names uh, coming up again and again here. Um, and there's names from Actress Girls as well, um, like me, which uh, Dana has uh, nominated, who I think is the last who goes around with a Teddy for, um, for If Memory Serves. Uh, so How have we not had me versus you? <laughs> I think that's the, that's the I've main... got to go back and do this whole thing again now. Thanks, David. <laughs> You and me always fight forever. <laughs> For fuck's sake. Anyway. This is David's breaking point. So we've got we've got um two of two of the three who have reached their <laughs> reached the living end, and uh, may, hopefully I will follow by by the end so we get a full house. Right, match thirteen. Sarah is. I, I assume doing this under sufferance. I don't know what she's coming up with this. This is our designated men, un- unnecessary men's match. So we'll leave Sarah. To quote Whelan Smithers, we've had the <laughs> women. Now bring on the men. <laughs> we'll leave Sarah till last because I assume she's um, found some way to circumvent my very, very strong diktat that there must be an unnecessary men's match on the show. So I'll, I'll go with what I've gone for. And actually, there's quite a lot of diversity between the types of match that our listeners have gone with. But I have gone for a uh, six person tag pitting two teams of very different wrestlers so I've gone for Chris Brooks Balianaki and Drew Parker versus the team of Abdullah Kobayashi Jun Kasai and Masashi Takeda in a 200 light tube death match I have to say I have no idea if Chris Brooks or Balianaki will be up for doing a light tube death match and Drew Parker recently retired from light tube death matches so good luck lads <laughs> <laughs> David what do you got for me um, so I thought I've, I've put a lot of nonsense into this so I thought I need to have a serious match right and I thought I need to harken back to the tradition of the original um, Michinoku Pro match on things. So I have a Michinoku Pro awful match here. Now, I will say, I haven't watched Michinoku Pro in about seven years. However, I think I've nailed the brief here of a very serious match. Jinsei Sinsaki, The Great Sasuke, Gabaiji Chan, Walking the Mummy, and Samba de Janeiro. Are you aware of um, Samba de Janeiro? I mean, I, I mean, I know the song. What's the gimmick? I mean, it's basically the song. It's his gimmick. Um, he <laughs> right. comes in and goes, Samba, and dances. And that's his old gimmick. Um, has a Brazil flag in his mask. Can't remember who he is. Great. He's, he was on one show. I think it was on, I actually think it was on uh, Mitch Nocopro did the mask tournament where, you know, the loser loses their mask. Oh, the Dirt Black was, Kid one. Yeah, yeah. So I think he was on that. So it was clearly like Dick Togo or something like that. Just going Samba over and over again. Never seen him since. Get him back in. Uh, Walking the Mummy was in the same six man as Sam Adrian, actually. Can you guess what Walking the Mummy's gimmick is? Um, with, 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 with a Yeti. He, he is indeed the Yeti, yes. He, he, he likes to do it. But he's an actual <laughs> one. It's not like, you know, 
um, the Yeti who just wrestled like a big man, as in his whole thing is, and he only wrestles as if he is walking like a mummy, so everybody goes in for collar and elbow tie-up stuff him because he's got his arms out. And then when the referee tries and goes near him, he goes, and chases him and all that. Hijinks, it's great, right? Um, and they're up against the team of uh, Super Delphin, Gurukin Mask from the Seafood Leagues, um, <laughs> uh, Ebisan and Kurashimbo Kamen, um, who had an amazing dome comedy match before, and Gran Nanima. Now, obviously, as we know, Gran Nanima is no longer here, so I've got two names for you to play Gran Nanima. Um, Kota Ibushi or Ryota Hama? Who are you going with? <laughs> you, already, you already know the answer to this, David. It's Ryota Hama. <laughs> Could he do the crab walk along the rope? Jesus, yes. That would be some Nine stars. Can I just say before we get to Sarah's entry, there is a scary amount of crossover between that match and Luke's. So Luke's gone with the great Sasuke, Chris Brooks and Drew Parker versus the team of Super Dolphin, Jinsei Shinzaki and quote-unquote Gran Naniwa, who is played not by Kotobushi or Ryotohama, but by Maki Ito, because Gran Naniwa is Maki Ito's favourite wrestler. I, I mean, a far more sensible pick. I mean, we could we could have went the easy route of Cajun Crawdads and Hermit Crab, but you know what? We are, we're proper puro disciples here. We're not just going to go for the WWE option from the from up north and Shikara. Yeah, I I like that. Yeah, Makito with Grand Nino is a great show. I mean, it's no real Ahama, but what is? Maybe Gary Kelly could pull um, double duty in this, and he could be Grand Nino. So what you got for us? Okay, so. I, I kind of thought, look, there's two ways to go about this. So either you go like the full wacky Michinoku pro approach and you basically book the Great Space War, which will probably be very entertaining, or you take the serious route. So I thought, you know, you know, you treat the occasion with the sincerity and the kind of importance that it deserves. So you want um, you want a really high profile title match for the gender that's less well represented on the card. And, you know, you really want it to be a, a, a showcase. You want it to be a showcase for that type for, for that particular title scene or, you know, for that particular type of wrestling as well. So for my show at the Tokyo Dome, I'm booking probably the platonic ideal of the Tokyo Dome men's wrestling show. And I'm treating it in the way that New Japan would treat the women's <laughs> title show. So I'm booking a Kada versus Tanahashi and I'm giving it six minutes. Fuck you. Generous. I thought you were going to go from four. They're really going Broadway today. You know what? I, I, I still actually do want to see that. Like the, the very idea of a Kazuchika Okada singles match that goes as little as six minutes is such a thoroughly alien concept to me that it may as well come from a fucking Lovecraft story. I'd watch it. I'd definitely watch it. It'd be great. I bet I bet it would. I just I, I don't know that Okada knows what it would be like to do a six minute match anymore. <laughs> I will say this must be feel really it, the only thing that's kinda of out of kilter with it is it's match thirteen instead of of course match two. Which is <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah, the progress women's title spot as I keep referring to it. But yeah, yeah genuinely this is a, a, a it's Akada versus Tanahashi, and I'm treating it the way that New Japan treated Kairi versus Tam, which was the uh, their women's title match. Their big featured women's title match that they gave six minutes. On a more uh, cheerful note, what did the what did our listeners say? 
Okay, so the name that has come up most in the um, Chris Brooks is in quite a lot of these, uh, as, yeah. as as you would imagine, and uh, also considering it was a unnecessary men's match, and I specified it being unnecessary. Who knows more about being an unnecessary man on a wrestling card than marvelous pro wrestling's Leo Osaka? <laughs> <laughs> I love Leo. Um, Jose has uh, said men's match would need to involve Leo and Irie, the top two male Joshis in the world. But we've we've got some uh, we've got quite an interesting uh, diversity of different types of matches here. So um, Stuart's given us uh, Chris Brooks and Master Takanashi, who do f- feature as a tag team a lot of these against Leo Osaka and Balian Aki. There's a couple who've gone for uh, big Japan matches, which I I kind of I kind of feel that works, like, even though Michinoku Pro is still a thing. I kind of feel like big Japan occupies a Michinoku Pro type status for reasons I can't. Half quite... this roster grew yeah. up watching big Japan. So like, yeah, <laughs> yeah. absolutely. Yeah, that's that. Yeah, that's true. Um, so Ainsley's gone for um, astronauts Takuya Nomura and Fuminori Abe versus Strong BJ of Sakamoto and Okabayashi. Um, Sandra the Giant's gone for Strong BJ versus Shuji Ishikawa and Suwama. He's put in brackets the meaty men slapping meat match. <laughs> in, indeed, it is, sir. Vital Mania's gone for Chris Brooks and Master Takanashi and the great Sasuke, who has also fetched up in a lot of these, presumably for the Michinoku Pro Connection, against Minoru Suzuki, Takamichinoku, and Jinsei Shinzaki. Yes, please. Monkey Buckles has gone for. It's a version of the match in which Suzuki and Takayama used to cosplay as the Crush Gals. I don't know if you're aware of this, Sarah. I was not aware of this, and it's blown my mind. Yeah, there's pictures of those two in drag um, as the Crush Gals. He's yes. just got uh, Chika Suzuki and Lioness Suzuki. I don't know who the second Suzuki is. Versus Dump Honda and Bull and Bull Brooks. Bull Brooks sounds like a real shithouse 80s world of sport heel. Dana has gone for Chris Brooks and Master Takanashi versus Hagane Shino and Mao. That sounds very Choco Pro to me. I like that. Um, Adam has just gone for... This one absolutely blew my mind. He just... Uh, Adam wants to see uh, Kevin Owens, Sami Zayn and Cody Rhodes versus The Bloodline. I was like, I mean, yeah, I'd, I'd love that. Sure, why not? Sure, yeah. I mean, to be fair, like, yeah, let's... Um, I just want to see what that match is like in the cooldown spots at, at the Dome before... Well, j- just after Makito versus Ikari Noah. Which is his idols match. I, I've got I've got a controversial take that I want to put out here. Does Chris Brooks count as a men's wrestler anymore? He did wrestle on that Sendai Girls UK show. Like no, I, I I feel that Chris Brooks is gender fluid when it comes to these sort of things. Yeah, Chris, you know, Chris Brooks will wrestle just... anyone the same way Jun Kasai will wrestle anyone. Yeah. Yeah, I would I would say that in this case, uh, Chris Brooks and Balianaki actually fit into a category of spiritually Joshi. Yeah, I mean, they, they, yeah, they've absolutely. got so much involvement yeah. with Choco Pro and with uh, Tokyo Joshi as well, doing the commentary for them. Um, so, yeah, no, I, I, I buy it. Um, match 14 and 15 of the VTOP semi, so we'll skip over those. And we will go to what we uh, designated as the... Um, I guess technically the semi-main. Um, we, and on Big Egg, we got uh, Medusa versus Bornicano, or London Blaze versus Bornicano, depending on what name you want to use. Um, so this is our designated Joshi versus WWE crossover match. I've gone for, I had to get her on the card uh, somehow. So the Joshi wrestler is Mayu Rotani, and her opponent is Bianca Belair. Um, no other reason other than I think that match would be really good, and I would like to see it. What about you guys? When we fought about this two and a half years ago, I was immediately like, right, WWE wrestler to face off at Big Egg 2. It's got to be Asuka. And then I spent a good while yesterday going, who do I want Asuka to face? And I thought, who are my favourite Asuka matches against? And I was like, who is the one? Every time I see it, I'm like, fuck yes. 
And then I looked, and I remembered about the WWF match on Big Egg, where it went about nine minutes. And I'm like, who is the perfect nine-minute opponent for Asuka? So I have went, controversially, for Asuka versus Nia Jax, because every match we have <laughs> is amazing. It's just, yeah, Asuka works so well with Nia Jax. Give them nine minutes, it will blow your mind. It'll be brilliant. I, I genuinely thought you were going to say, because uh, I remember uh, a nine-minute match at uh, WrestleMania Access between Asuka and Eva Marie, in which, bizarrely, Eva Marie got about eight minutes of offense. <laughs> I, right, can we just backtrack? I just want to confirm. When you say Asuka, do you mean Asuka as in Kana, or do you mean Asuka as in Venny? Kana. Okay, yeah, because that complete. So you're actually doing WWE versus WWE. Well, versus X WWE. Yeah, but I... that was what Bill Nicano versus Andrew Blaze was. Oh yeah, yeah, no, that's true. I was just, I, I'm really curious about it because basically, depending on whether you meant Asuka Kana or Asuka Venny, that was a very different match. Hmm. Right. So, well, this is a weird one because this is the spot where I always thought Sasha Banks would go. So it, it's really kind of, you know, events over the past sort of year of wrestling controversies if we can all go back like 150 crises ago through wrestling history to like when Sasha Banks and, and Naomi walked out of WWE like that properly put the cat amongst the pigeons for this so I figured okay well let's let's start with who let's start with who in Joshi I'd really want to put in this spot and I was like Siri like Siri is awesome she's you know she's not the champion at the moment so we don't have to worry about protecting her too much or anything it was like and you know and then it was like okay who would be a good opponent for Siri? And I was thinking, well, you know, she's a former MMA fighter. You know, she's going it got gone into wrestling and is really achieving some really interesting stuff. Um, you know, I think she fully deserves a spot and she's mega exciting. So who do I put her against? And I was thinking about former MMA fighters in WWE who can actually go. And I went with Shayna Baszler. Ooh, I like that. I think that would be a really good match. I also think that it would be it would be a nice counterpoint to the terrible work shoot because this would be a shoot style match that would fucking rule. How have you booked three shoot style matches on this card? <laughs> you, you, the one that's been I'm down consistently the most in the workshop, and you've ended up with like three or four matches of like people with legitimate shoot backgrounds. You know what? Some people just want to watch the world burn, David. I, I told you she likes shoot style. <laughs> yeah, I like shoot styles. The work shoots that were the problem. <laughs> I I, th- I think that actually you're thinking with re Sasha Banks Mercedes Monet whatever you want to call her is exactly what I because when I first conceived of doing this I think she was still with the Fed and yeah she absolutely would have been number one with the bullet I probably would have booked her versus Mayu but that match is actually happening now like that like Stardom are doing that match so I couldn't do it so I've um, so I thought. Well, Bianca Belair, like, just um, one of the top names in the company, and I really want to see her versus Mayu. I think the stuff that they could do together, like, physically, would yeah. be would be absolutely incredible. So let's see what our fans have uh, gone with. Stuart has gone with, I think this is really a battle of the, the purest baby faces uh, in the companies, uh, Mayu Otani versus Bailey. Yeah, it feels very natural, that one. Yeah, Ainsley's gone for um, Io versus Itami. Uh, previous Queen's Quest icon versus the current leader. I like that a lot. Uh, Sandra the Giant's gone for Hiroya Matsumoto versus Rhea Ripley. That's a, that's a bit of a yeah. curveball. I like it, though. Uh, Vital Mania, Bianca Belair versus Tam Nakano. Luke has gone for Bianca Belair versus Mia Yamashita. Adam has gone for Bianca Belair versus you. Dana has... We're just doing uh, Io Shirai versus Mayo Otani again. You know what? That match was always great, so fuck it. Monkey Buckles has gone for probably my favourite one, which is Asuka versus Asuka with special referee Lana Asuka. Yeah. Incredible. Every so day. good. Every day, all day. Sold. I, um, I love that so much. 
it's incredible. Now, just before we move on to the VTOP, I had a couple of other ideas that I wanted to run by you. Just we quick fire things. Just go with your gut on this, right? All right. Four all for right. you. I want you just simple yes or no. First of all, um, intermission, actress, girls, full roster, Jankin tournament. <laughs> yes, please. I, I agree. Absolutely. Number two, Riho in some sort of AEW title match. Yeah. Yeah, all right. Yeah, po- probably I... um you would nowadays go with AW versus Joshi rather than Delului because, I mean, AW is the company that's actually working with the Joshi feds. Yeah, exactly. Number three, um, inspired by WrestleMania this weekend, Doris Blind and Anna Gomi coming out with Bobby Lashley with their trophies, just sitting, admiring everything, and then walking back out. <laughs> <laughs> Since we're adding in extras, um, I do want to say, I also made a note here that I would love to invite Fuka out of ring-announcing retirement. Yeah, I always thought, yes. I always thought she was great in Stardom, and I'm but I would be very glad to have her back ring announcing for this show. And the the final one you mentioned earlier, uh, Mercedes Money, a real a proper IWGP Women's Title match. So I went for a freeway Mercedes Money versus Rio Labby versus Peter. <laughs> <laughs> the, the, the three pillars of New Japan Women's <laughs> Division. The, can, we, can we get Amber O'Neill back? The Bullet Babe. Maria Canellis is unavailable, I'm afraid. <laughs> dark times for the New Japan Tag Division. <laughs> I mean, to be fair, dark times for the New Japan Tag Division has encompassed most of the last 20 years. <laughs> so, so you know, I think this is actually, uh, you make a good point, David, regarding, like, what would you have nowadays that wasn't on Big Egger? Poe Anderson uh, remarked to me that if you're doing it nowadays, you might not have a minis match, but, like, you'd have to have a high-speed match. Yeah. Yeah, like exactly. you'd, have to, you'd have to do high speed matches. Like, yeah, that's a good point. It'd be interesting if you were going to do big egg nowadays. What kind of matches would you want to do? I think you'd have to do um, a high speed match. I think you'd probably, considering uh, the rise of prominence and people want to do, I think you'd probably have to do a death match. Yeah, I agree. I think that again, there's enough variance in there where yeah, it's it's going to stand out. Right then, we have got to the sharp end. It's time for everyone's V-tops. So I think what we'll do is we'll each just go down who's in the quarter semis and the final and um, I guess who triumphs overall. So um, I'll, I'll go first. This was a point at which I was balancing realism with what I would want to see happen. Mainly this comes down to would Julia be in the tournament or not? And then I decided, no, I don't want Julia in my tournament. So I didn't put her in, <laughs> even though if you were to do this in real life, she would actually be a shoe in. And actually, to be, to be fair, I think like something like this could probably aid Julia's strengths because I think her strengths are in having shorter, punchier matches rather than the uh, the big Bushiro epics. Uh, but nevertheless, here are the matches we've got. So Shiri versus Utami Hayashishita. Second match, Suzu Suzuki versus Mayukihi. Third match, Jihiro Hashimoto versus Mei Saruga. I, I, I ummed an odd about whether to put Mei in this tournament because I feel like what really... Uh, all these people have in common is that they have some ace energy and I think that all of the people in this tournament maybe should it's like Mesa Ruga she doesn't have that in the traditional sense but on the other hand she is the biggest wrestler in her promotion she's getting bookings on both sides of the Pacific uh, she's a big a big deal in Joshi so why shouldn't she be in this uh, in this tournament and I'd, I think I'd love to see her again trying to work around uh, Hash and eventually getting German suplex to death uh, my fourth and final quarterfinal is Takumi Oroha versus Miyu Yamashita and then in the semi-finals mm. We have got uh, Shuri versus Mayukihi. So I've got them winning their quarterfinals. And then I've got uh, Big Hash versus Miyu Yamashita in the semis. Uh, and Shuri and 
uh, Miu go on to the final where I think I would have Miu go over. That would uh, be great. Miu versus Siri would rule. Yeah, we're getting into like, leaving aside the nonsense, we're getting into like genuine dream matches that I think would be great. And Tokyo Joshi is so isolationist. I think there's lots of dream matches involving Miu Master that you could book. Yeah, I agree. And I would absolutely love to see Chihiro Hashimoto versus Mesa Ruga. I think it would be incredible. I think that yeah, would be that. that that's your that that's the closest you're getting for me to like the the Aja Manami quarter where they just absolutely blow it out of the water and have an incredible match that probably should have been later in the tournament mm-hmm. uh, for me. But yeah, that would have been fantastic. Again, as I said, I don't really watch Joshi that much anymore. So there will be people probably listening to this. You don't wonder what the fuck I'm smoking and whether I'm still stuck in 2017. The answer is yes, I am. However, so my quarterfinals were, based on vibes alone, Chihiro Hashimoto versus Yuna Manese. Oh, I love that. That yep. would be great. Uh, yep. Hikaru Shida versus Yuka Sakazaki. Yes, like it. Um, Kairi versus Arisa Nakajima. Oh, yeah, that'd be great. You, I think that's been great in the past. Yep. And uh, Julia versus Mio Momono. <laughs> uh, semi-finals of Chihiro Hashimoto versus Mio Momono Kairi versus Hikaru Shida and then the okay. final Chihiro Hashimoto versus Kairi with Chihiro Hashimoto going over very good mm, that sounds fun that's really fun I kind of used this one and was like okay trying to think about are there any like free agents who are like kind of a bit flexible but who I'd also really just like to see in the tournament and then like who who kind of has the ace energy as well so kind of a, a bit of both so so my quarterfinals my my v-top lineup if you will is um Yuka Sakazaki goes over in the quarter in her first round match against Lady Godzilla Hiroyo Matsumoto because I think that match would be great fun oh, and I totally wanted and I wanted Matsumoto on this card I thought that match would be really fun then I've got Mayu Iwatani defeating the great about time we brought her back deserves her flowers while we still have the opportunity Ayako Hamada oh I love it I love it so much yeah I think Mayu versus um, Ayako Hamada is a match that I don't think I've seen before I don't know whether it's happened before or not but I think number one it would be really stiff it would give us dickhead working on top Mayu and that I think could be really really good against Ayako Hamada I just I love the idea of that match and then I've got remember she's she's free now we've got Sari um, so I've got her in my first round as well I've got her actually a bit controversial now I look at it but basically I I started I started with the final I wanted and worked my way backwards, so bear with me, right? But this is Sari going over Kyrie. Ooh. But I bet that match would still be amazing. Like that Ooh, would be so a really yeah. fun match. Yeah. So and then I would have as my uh, as my final quarterfinal, I would have Asuka, Asuka Veni. Um, I really want to see some big big boots in this match. Asuka is going to go over Saki Sama. Oh, that's really good. And actually, Saki Sama is booked so strong that like she's totally of the of the power level she could be in this tournament aesthetically i felt like i just kind of really wanted that matchup as well because i just think that they would work really well together kind of Ooh, I, love, I love that you know, just in their styles yeah so then my my finals um got a bit tasty so we actually had mayu um iwatani defeating yuka sakazaki and then we had asuka going over sari um, just because I, I also wanted Asuka versus Sari. I thought that'd be great. But the reason this was all booked is because I wanted to get to a final of Mayu Iwatani versus Asuka. And I mean, Mayu's going over Ooh. because Mayu always goes over in my heart. But there's just a bunch of banger matches in there, to be honest. Yeah, I love that. Yeah, like, I absolutely love it. Interesting, different uses of Mayu. I've got her in like the uh, the crossover exhibition. As I, uh, have, a, have a win the tournament. 
I mean, always yeah. over in my heart. And let's face it, they're not going to give her a red belt run anytime soon. So let's give her something no, else. No, cool. no, I do think she's kind of winding down a little bit. Uh, but I mean, she's still in the IWGP title match, so I, you know, <laughs> I guess uh, still life in the old dog yet. Right, what I'm going to do, I'm not going to do everyone's um, V tops in full, but what I'm going to do is I'm going to pick some standout matches. I'm also going to do everyone's final, and then I'm going to do some stats on uh, the crossover because actually I think even between the three of us, we've used quite a lot of different names. I think that just shows the the point where, you know, in, in the days of big egg wrestling universe, there was kind of, I guess an obvious field. If you think about it, like if you were booking five top wrestlers from AJW and one each from the other companies involved and you're like, right, who are you picking? Like, there probably would be a bit of a consensus, really, I guess, at the time, if you had asked someone to, if you asked Joshi Vance to do an exercise like this, I, I doubt there'd have been much crossover, whereas the Joshi scene is much more fragmented now, that you do get quite a lot of uh, different names. And actually, just looking at the stats um, between them, are I think we had nine people give their cards. There's actually 36 different names that have been used in everyone's That's awesome. Yeah, yeah. So it just shows how much talent there is out there. Standout first round matches. Uh, Stuart's given us Jihiro Hashimoto versus Kari Yonayama. Mark has given us Jihiro Hashimoto versus Azmi. Adam's given us Jihiro Hashimoto versus Mizuki. I think I just love the idea of Jihiro Hashimoto just um, chucking around someone much shorter than her. Um, Ainsley's given us Hikaru Shida versus Risa Serra. I really like that as a first-round match. Um, Sandy's, yeah, given us, Sandy's given us Mia Watanabe versus Yu. Uh, Vital nice. Mania's given us Mercedes Monet versus Kari as a first-round match. Hell yeah. Uh, Shuri versus Miri Master again from uh, Mark Buckledy. Um Luke's given us Suzuki Suzuki versus Asahi. This is some uh, the the ice ribbon beef is even infecting the uh, <laughs> infecting the V top. Dana's given us Tamnakana versus Maki Ito again. Love it, just like yep, a sold. real and not a kind of first round match. You would have got a big egg. You would not have got the idol wrestlers in the V top tournament. I think, but I think that's the thing that could happen now. Um, There's Adam... so many idol wrestlers. You could have one in every match and have some spare. Well, exactly. Um, Adam's given us also Mercedes Monet versus Mesa Ruga. Oh, I, yes. I, 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 would, be, oh, I bet you anything that Mesa Ruga is actually on uh, Mercedes's list of wrestlers she wants to face. I hope so. Yeah. In Echigaya Chocolate Square. Do you think we'll ever see Mercedes Monet in Echigaya Chocolate <laughs> Square? Because I think there's a, a more chance, than 0% but... <laughs> chance that she may actually at one point on like a, a day off or something. I think she'll wait until she's dropped the belt, but I bet she'd loved her. Yeah. And uh, as far as the semis go, uh, just noting here for some amusement, both Vital Mania and at Monkey Buckles have booked Big Hash versus Shuri uh, as a semi-final, and uh, they differ on who they want to win that. But let's go through everyone's final. So uh, Stuart has given us Miyamomono versus Chiro Hashimoto, which is also cropped up as a semi-final elsewhere. Pear Anderson has given us Miyamomono versus uh, Risa Nakajima, and has actually specified that Mio goes over. Uh, Lonely Luchador has gone for Julia versus Chiro Hashimoto. Brackets, lol, Julia wins. Uh, Miyu <laughs> Mashita versus Chiro Hashimoto from Sandro the Giant. Vital Mania, Shiri versus Mercedes. Uh, Chihiro Hashimoto versus Mayu Watani from, um, from Monkey Buckles. Miyamomono versus Sari from Luke. Uh, Tamnakano versus Shuri from Dana and Mercedes versus Mia Watanabe from Adam. So we've got quite a lot of different names even in the finals. And if we look at the stats, we can see that the wrestler who cropped up the most in these is Chiro Hashimoto. She is in seven out of the nine tournaments, getting to the semis in all seven and reaching the final in four of them. Miu Mashita is the next most common name picked. She is in five V tops. Asuka Slashveni is also in five. 
and uh, Shiri is in four. And uh, I think that's kind of what you might expect. Certainly, I guessed that Chihiro Hashimoto was going to crop up the most. And indeed, I was right about that. And I guessed that she was going to go pretty deep in most people's tournaments. And uh, I was right about that as well. And I think that shows actually that um, there's... Um, I think our fan base is is less likely to be stardom centric than maybe people who might listen to other podcasts. Again, that's not throwing any shade, and there's a lot of stardom names in here. But I think it's it's quite uh, it's quite broad, uh, and I, I appreciate everyone who's booked uh, booked tournaments which are more realistic and tournaments which are just like. Uh, and I did say to people. You don't have to include any stardom talent if you don't watch stardom or you're not particularly a fan of stardom. This is your card. It's up to you. But I think that's the really fascinating thing about this. We've got so many names just cropping up in one uh, VTOP. You know, someone went for Asmi, not someone remotely on the power level in kayfabe that would be in the VTOP tournament. But you want to see Asmi in that? Yeah, fuck it. Go ahead. Asmi's always great in tournaments. I I seriously considered putting her in mine. The, oh, there the, you go. The, the first version of the VTOP that I booked she was in it and she was a good she was a first round competitor but she was going to have an absolute banger of a first round match and i think that uh roundabout does it for that so thank you so much to everyone for their efforts on our behalf it um i i, I really hope for your sanity that you didn't spend as much time on yours as sarah did but um um <laughs> it's um like it, it really i think genuinely touched me certainly in the sense that we've been on this journey with you through the 10 hours of big egg wrestling universe i think the fact that everyone has taken the time to have a little bit bit of fun with us at the end and put forth their ideal big egg cards i think means a lot and this has also illustrated uh, to us i think even though the joshi scene is not where it was in 1994 i think the depth of talent that is there certainly gives it a very solid base if not to grow to those heights at least to sustain itself as indeed the scene did throughout the pandemic i think if you're comparing today's scene to the 90s you're really going to fight a losing battle because it's not going to be like that again uh, it's going to be different from it for you know in good ways and in bad ways uh, but i think that you know could you do a big egg we've talked about could you do it uh, logistically would it ever happen financially and the jury's out on that but I, th- I think that exercise that we've done certainly proves that yeah if you wanted to do a card of that size you've certainly got the people to do it i love joshi like this whole that whole conversation has just completely reminded me of how much incredible talent there is out there and there are so many people where, like i say i I could book a VTOP tournament four times over and not repeat any wrestlers. The pool is so deep and it's just a, it's a really good time to be a wrestling fan, guys. I mean, ignore, ignore the big American promotions. And like outside of that, the world outside your window is there's, there's some bloody good women's wrestling out there. But also the Shane McMahon tearing his quad. So we cannot forget that. (laughs) All right, fair point. (laughs) You know, Big Egg Wrestling Universe had heart, but Shane McMahon tearing his quad had Shane McMahon tearing his quad. Uh, That's another thing for Big Egg. We'll just have Shane McMahon come out to... Who could could Shane McMahon come out to fight and then just, like, completely take this quad 30 seconds in? Oh, you know what? Shinobu Pandori, yes. (laughs) (laughs) Two, two MMA legends. My God, I can't believe we've done it, guys. That's 15 episodes of Big Egg Podcasting Universe. And there are people who've listened to all 15. Like, I, I can't I can't even begin to process that. And, you know, just take a second. Pause what pause, whatever 
podcast platform you are using this on and give yourselves a round of applause and please accept our massive gratitude for sticking with all of this it's just been wow we did it we actually did all of this and you guys put up with us throughout <laughs> i mean to, to tell you how long this has went i'm pretty sure it was episode 12 episode 11 12 was the last one that i edited and i'm fairly sure at that point when we recorded that um, well, today, Linda, Linda has been her best friend, had a baby today, and I'm pretty sure it was not conceived when we recorded episode <laughs> 11 or 12, and that's 11 or 12, so this has been a long, long time, um, and it's been it's been a great journey, but yeah, it's, well, if you if you got to the end, well done, you know, what, what, a, what a guy you are, um, whoever you are, you have our undying love, and you should buy us a pint. Is your wife's friend's baby Indian? Can we get it on the card? <laughs> <laughs> now, what what a shock that would be to walk into after I finish this recording. You'll never believe it. <laughs> well, and on that note. <laughs> yeah, I think, seriously, guys, thank you so much for coming on this trip with us down memory lane and helping and you know, helping us out, all the people who have... Uh, pointing things out to us that we've maybe missed the people who had helped us along the way uh, with this final episode, putting it together sort of a collaborative effort on ours and your parts and just being there to um, provide support for us and just let us know that yes, it is worthwhile. People are listening to it. They are engaging with it. It is uh, entertaining and informing them. And that's really what we wanted to do. We wanted to pay tribute to um, the Joshi wrestling scene of the 90s and a really important show in a way that was kind of, I think, quite unique, something certainly more ambitious than anything we've ever done before on the Puri Puri podcast. Um, I would like to thank Sarah, especially because she is the one who has done all the research just has been really the uh i think the driving force behind this whole podcast um episode so yeah if you're going to single out any one of us for praise i think it should be her i mean don't single out any of us but i would say i mean if we're going to do this then all right david despite the fact that he has had more things on his plate than any one human should have realistically had for basically the entire time that we've been recording this podcast did the first like 12 episodes of, of this editing it all and getting it out for us and massive kudos to him because that's a thing that neither of us would have been able to do at that time and this like big egg would not have happened without him at all um and yeah i the other to be honest the the mvp that i want to shout out is everybody who cares enough to correct us on Twitter, like to, to tell us what the gaps are, what we can fill in, like all that extra information that you're giving us, because it means that we're learning loads at the same time as everybody else. Like, and that's been awesome. So, you know, thank you to you guys for that. I just want to shout out one person here, um, really. And the only way I can escape this is who will, who will win the VTOP tournament? The child that yearns for peace. <laughs> for fuck's sake. <laughs> <laughs> no plugs that's it we're done <laughs> no we should do plugs though <laughs> this is our last chance but honestly my my plug is for all of you to be honest like but you know plug 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 yourselves hail yourselves thank you no, for don't everything. plug yourselves like not not unless you sleep <laughs> 
my plugs are dead straightforward and by now if you have listened to all the other episodes you probably know them off by heart by now so i would say my my big ones are follow me on twitter at sarah parkin one because everything that i've forgotten in the following will end up going out on there a book that has been out in the world for longer than the Big Egg Podcasting Universe series, Women Love Wrestling, the book in which I wrote an essay about the idea of female fan bases for wrestling and the historic existence thereof. Um, that's available to get via Amazon and the proceeds from that go to Rain for sales in the US and Women's Aid for sales in the UK. Um, you know, pick that up if you possibly can. In the meantime, check out the episodes of the Must See Matches podcast that I've been on talking about kind of classic Joshi matches and most recently um, Sasha Banks versus Bianca Belair from WrestleMania as well in 2021. Um, there's a whole bunch of great episodes that I'm not on, but those are the ones where I can remember what the matches are. So start with those and then work your way around them. So honestly, that's that's me done. Um, I'll, I've probably forgotten something else that I will be chucking out on Twitter later on. So follow me on there. And yeah, just thank you. So again, thank you to everyone for listening. But as well as that, in terms of my plugs, um, I run a Party Pistol podcast um, called Draw is a Draw. Um, we just, no one wants to win this league title, including us. But, you know, we, we just can't die. We ju- we're just not allowed to just you know, crumble into mediocrity and finish fifth. We're not allowed to do that. We always have to get within three points of the leaders and all that. But anyway, uh, yeah, so we're chronicling our uh, slide into sixth place finish at the end of the season. As well as that, we're doing lots of cool documentary pods as well. I've uh, done one on the Tenant Sixes a wee while ago. Matt, who I do the Party Fizzle podcast with, uh, mentioned the idea of doing a documentary episode about next week is the anniversary, the 10th anniversary of uh, the weekend where we got to the Ramson's Cup final, where famously in the space of five minutes, we can see um, we had a player headbutt someone in uh, extra time to concede Amazing. a penalty. The penalty was then saved. They chucked up the other end and we scored our last minute equaliser to a pitch invasion and then yeah. have to get everyone back on or back off the pitch to take the penalty, which, uh, which we then lost. A, a, a wild five minutes. Uh, so we're doing a documentary on that and as well as that, the Green Up Morton game that happened on the Wednesday, which had a 10,000 attendance at Fizzle versus, for part of Fizzle versus Green Up Morton. 10,000 people is the highest attendance they've had of the modern era. Um, wow. Rangers and Celtic have never got close to it. So we're doing a documentary on that. However, Matt decided that he would inform me about this seven days before the anniversary of this. And <laughs> he says, oh, I spoke to a couple of people. So um, just to make myself feel even more miserable, we have voices from Andrew Smith, James Cragen, Adam Muirhead, our friend Rhys Haldane, um, Stephen Wallace and Stuart Bannigan, as well as that lady Robinson from the Queen of the, Queen of the South is also going to be there, including archive footage of us from previous podcasts talking about the game. I, he wanted, he asked me if I could do it for Monday. I told him to go fuck himself. Um, <laughs> and I said, you'll get it when you'll get it. Because these things take me so, so long. They take me genuinely weeks of my life doing basically Sarah looking up Luchadora's levels of um, work every night for weeks and weeks and weeks. I would appreciate it if any, um, if you're out there Draw us or draw. Listen to the historical episodes. We do lots of cool stuff. Listen to them because I put so much work into them. Reliving Falkirk 5-0, the best one. And as well as that, X and xwaddle.bankcamp.com or fastback.bankcamp.com for lots of various musical nonsense. Yeah, I, I can't say enough nice things about Draw, Lose or Draw as a podcast. I, I do say this a, a lot, but like I think there's a tendency with some 
football fan-led podcasts uh, to be either very one-eyed and just not brook any criticism of your team or just get into like lots of snark. And I think they I think they cut a very nice balance with it. The episodes are very digestible. And like I say, some of these experimental documentary things, uh, I would really recommend those just as like, you know, social history, let, 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 you know, even if you're not uh, particularly a football fan. It's very entertaining stuff. You can follow me on Twitch at twitch.tv forward slash Lord Tenpai. I play Mahjong uh, most Thursdays. I do other things like playing Pokemon, deck builders, RPGs, uh, whatever's your poison. But uh, mostly Mahjong uh, 2023. I've had some pretty shit results in it. I'm not going to lie. So I'm trying to trying to get better, do a bit of study and become the Mahjong player that I wish to be. Uh, so you can follow me on that and see how I do. You can find my writing at... Um, marshmallowbomb.substack.com uh, Sarah and David have also contributed to uh, bits there. I mostly do uh, long reads. I mentioned the one about the wrestling references in Salman Rushdie. I've done one about the concurrences between wrestling and Mahjong and how uh, wrestling has kind of helped me along my own path uh, as, a, uh, as a Mahjong player. Uh, and I've also done one about whether there is a correlation between match quality and match length. Hint, there isn't. And uh, so, yeah, you can you can follow my stuff there. You can buy my novel, The Rise and Fall of Ricky Dozan, uh, for your Kindle for £2.49 and for print-on-demand paperback, uh, £17.99 there. You can follow the podcast. You can listen to us on Stitcher Radio, SoundCloud and iTunes. If you just search for the Pro Pro Podcast, as well as you can listen to all 15 now episodes of Big Egg Podcasting Universe and also the mainline podcast. We've got uh, tons of different types of things that you can enjoy. And you can follow us on Twitter at Pro Podcast. And with that, I'm going to close the book finally. Uh, Sarah's got a big smile of relief on her face. David's got his camera off, but I'm sure he is the same. We are done with Big Egg Wrestling Universe. That has been episode 15. We have been the Puro Puro Podcast. I have been George Sato Thompson, signing off for Sarah Parkin and David Forrest. And for the final time, we shall see you later. When Stardom do Big Egg 2, are we going to review it all? Yes. <laughs> Fuck no. <laughs> I know what my answer is. <laughs> <laughs>